the hype train is and we're like oh my god this table we're so good can we just stop that crap Ireland could win the World Cup let's be honest oh Shane could why are we so afraid of this OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar Uh, Cullum, not even noticing the laptop. It's OTBM, Friday morning, of course. How are you getting on? Hope all is well with you, Cullum. Adrian. How are you doing? Doing well, yourself. Shane. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, all good. Perfect, back, correct? Nobody can do a Cork accent, is what you were saying there before. We no, no, no. Shane's a big and man for accents, and then he tried it, and it was like the American acting oh, version of an Irish accent. No, that's Kerry. I'm Cork boy. It's a, Hollywood, it's a Hollywood Cork accent. You langer. No, it's no. It, no it, good, it's good terminology. Just it's the, the ter- language. Is still every, if I if I had read it, it, it was great. Yeah, but then yeah. I hear it, and it's very unlike you. Because you're, you're a man for accents. You do a Monaghan accent, it's quite tough as well. Like, I, I hang around with Roy Larmer enough and I eventually yeah, yeah. get Go it. Go on. Down. No, I need to get into character. A bit, oh, of, a me- a bit of a method well, I was impersonator turn, I was myself, yeah. Person. I need to get into character. Mm. If you told me beforehand, no, no problem. But uh, Bert Bacharach, mm. yeah. quite sad, legendary mm. composer. Um, Noel Gallagher, right? The only time he ever sang without a guitar, mm. one time only, and it was with Bert himself. Is that really Jeez. true? And he's saying, this guy's in love with you. Mm. which is one of her backrack song in 1996 and there's a still image of it on YouTube there's no video footage of this ever it wasn't recorded but there's a bootleg version Stephen Doyle has it I was on to him yesterday about it yeah. there's one image it's on YouTube and it's Noel Gallagher sitting there without a guitar just singing oh, and yeah. what a lovely voice Acapella. Noel Gallagher had in the mid 90s considering all the stuff that they were up to he wasn't singing much at the time because Liam well, was Well, there'd be a big school that. of thought that he was, he was a better singer than Liam. I, I absolutely love Noel Gallagher's voice. The unplugged album he has that, an amazing that voice. Liam never turned up for. Yeah, that's it's right. cracking album. That was a month after this performance. Of they fell out or he was turned he, emotional uh, or something? No, he just, uh, he just went mad. He was, like, he was looking for a house with Patsy Kendit, right. uh, his wife at the time. And uh, then he was like, oh, I'm too sick to do it. I have laryngitis. And then he proceeded to sit in the seats and heckled Noel for the whole gig when right. Noel did the gig and they, he found out like half an hour beforehand that he's going to have to do it himself it's a better album for, lovely, for, for him not being there tender mm. well I would have but I would have loved to have heard Liam Gallagher unplugged just to see if he could do it now he actually did it a few years ago himself with his own band but it wasn't the same because it was yeah. actually very guitar heavy but I'm talking like Nirvana style unplugged where he's really relying on oh, only acoustic one, that, that's one of the greatest albums of all time I, I could listen to, I listen to that about twice a year through Nirvana's unplugged oh. Oh, you know when you forget about it and then you come back to it and you're like Rolling. oh this exists bloody mm. hell what an album about a girl he just sits down uh, this is off her first record most people don't own it start singing Mm. and then he just keeps on going and going and going. But even the chatter within the album becomes part of your own sort of, you know, you're as familiar with that as you are with the tunes. Uh, when, he start, when he starts uh, mock singing, what was it? Some kind of... Uh, David Bowie song, is it? No, but he does that for real, but then he starts mock singing some country and western song between sets. Oh, yeah. When, yeah. I've been looking up the Bird Back Rack discography there. What's your favourite? This Guy's In Love With You. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I say a little prayer, that's the most, that's the most famous mm. one, sure. Walk On By. Uh, I think yeah. Walk On By Walk for on me. Walk On By is a great tune. Is he a singer himself? Oh, yeah. More, more, of, more of a composer, though. Yeah, he was more of like uh, the Dr. Dre for slow music, wasn't he? Jesus. More of an outstanding producer slash composer. There's the clip right there, isn't it, Jack? Um, if I was at the funeral now, 
Oh yeah, that would be my eulogy. <laughs> if in some to get unlikely in. set of circumstances, <laughs> yeah. Cullum ended up giving the eulogy at Bert Bacharach's funeral. My other memory of him is in Austin Powers. Yeah, yeah. When uh, Austin himself introduces Bert Bacharach, and he introduced him to a new generation. Would Liam's voice have been too whiny for the unplugged? No, at that time, between '94 and '97, Liam had an unbelievable voice, mm. and it was actually very good in '94, '95. But then he just kept him partying and it got worse and worse. And after 97, it went massively downhill. So if he was to do it now and he did it recently, it was only okay. He's an okay singer now. Back then, if he did it in 96, it would have been great. He can do Tender. Mm. There, is, there is an unplugged version in MTV in 1994 with um, Davina McCall is the presenter. And Liam sings whatever and live forever. And it's beautiful. That's 94. You seem to approach your music in the same way that you approach football. Would that be in, in this, the, the 94 of, season, the 95 season? Uh, that bit, you know, music started in He came, really came into his own then when, you know... No, music started in uh, what? 68. Why 68? Just... Uh, Woodstock was the following year? Yeah, there was, that was Gimme Shelter came out, I think. When Dylan went electric. Yeah, I was a big Dylan fan. More Rolling Stones. I watched Stones. the Liam Brady documentary last night. Uh, this is not an entirely crazy segment. Segway, because yeah. he is um, a Bob Dylan nut. Oh, yeah. Oh, is the he, point yeah. where he's in, might have been Genoa, and he goes into a record shop to buy, a, like everybody over there absolutely loves him. No, it was Turin. Uh, he goes into a record shop and he's, he says to the uh, the owner, oh, this Dylan album might be the only one I don't have. And as it happened, it was like 80 to 84 years that he was at uh, Juve. So he was like, all right, well, I, it's destined. I need to buy this thing. Um, but but enough. And by the way, uh, I'll use the segue to say the documentary is an RT on Monday night. And it is. Have you seen it? Haven't no, seen I haven't seen that. Savage. Really, really good. Richie was so on, um, good. Richie was on the news round last night, and he said the first five or six minutes is the best intro f- he's seen to a documentary in years. Right. I would say the right? first minute, you're like, that's amazing. That's, that's a me. huge set, like I'm sixty in. seconds, really. That all it takes. The, the what? What way did I word it last night on Twitter to say that it's it's brilliant start to finish, especially start and finish. Is it oh, long? Yeah, lovely. But, but great in between. Yeah. Um, I think it was about an hour. Grand. Yeah. Um, yeah. So really good. Like it, ju- it just you know the way like you see Liam Brady doing the punditry and he's a little bit grumpy yeah. and like you've seen the video clips of him as a manager where yeah. he's like if me auntie had whatever and um, he, bit of a grumpy character and you don't really get that's what pundits anyway you don't get a full sense of actually who this person is with, with a minute into this you're like I've never seen this side of Liam Brady before. He's fluent in Italian, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he, he would use his Italian. So he spoke to Marco Tardelli. He spoke to various uh, players that he would have played with, um, and uses Italian. Way he looks a bit like a shy user of Italian, even though he seems well able to speak it. There was a there's a clip of him a couple of years ago, but going back to Italy and seeing his old clubs, and he's speaking fluent Italian to the interviewer, and it's amazing really mm. to see it. But I, like they, all the players who went at that time, Irish and British players who went over at that time, really seemed to pick up the language. Which there like weren't many. There weren't many. Paul Gascoigne could speak Italian, yeah. which is hard to believe. He doesn't speak it Trevor anymore. Trevor Francis was at Sampdoria uh, at the same time as Brady. But there weren't many. There was, there was very, there were few and far between. Gascoigne would have been after all that. Yeah. He would ninety two to ninety five. We we'll yeah. get Matt Hardy talking Spanish now in a Dublin accent soon enough. I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, can you tell me without telling me in the first minute why is the documentary so good? Because I two don't think I'll say it. To you. I, I think I'll leave it to you. Is and it the aesthetic or is it just the information? It's a bit of everything. It's, it's, you know, the the there is there is a part of any of these sports documentaries that you watch where the raw ingredients are so good that it's going to be great no matter what, and that is true of this. Yeah. But it's brilliantly produced. Brilliantly produced. They've really pieced it together. They've really thought about how they would knit this story together and how they keep coming back to this touchstone. 
uh, like he, he he flicks so they, they have set up a shot at some point or a, or a shoot at some point where he's flicked through all photographs that he has when he's at home and he's going through the various points of his life so they keep back referencing that so they'll go okay now we're moving on to the next thing and he'd say oh here's a picture of that unbelievable Sampdoria team here's a 17 year old Roberto Mancini what a superstar blah 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 and then they will bring him over to Genoa and he'll start to um, pick through life over there and meet the various characters so I'm not going to spoil the intro for you but other than to say it's Exceptionally well, you'd be hooked from that point. And on. it airs yeah, on yeah. Sunday, Monday night. Monday. Mm. I'm looking forward to that now. You've got to watch. Yeah. I must get a sneak preview out if I can. Happy Friday, lads. Says Awkward Johnny on YouTube. Good morning to you, Awkward Johnny. Um, delighted to have you in. Uh, John Claffy, Alice in Chains, and Pearl Jam unplugged from that era. Also class. Yeah, the movie Clerks. Oh yeah. Um, um, Sideshow Bob. What's his name? Silent Bob and Silent Bob and, and Jay. Jay. And then uh, Randall is the guy's name, isn't he? He's the friend of the main guy and he works next door in the video shop and mm. he calls into the convenience store and he, his intro is uh, Alice in Chains song. So John Claffey will notice, John, what is that song? Anyway, he comes into that song and it's class and the unplugged version of that song is amazing. I have it right. on my Spotify. Send that on to us later. Jane said, Bob, good. I was I was in Denver last summer at a, myself and the mates went to this conference fan expo. It's like a celebrity car just walking around and uh, Jane said, Bob were there. No just, way. Just saw them. I was like, oh, there they are. I There's probably don't look that different from the, when they did back in the day. Oh, they look fairly similar. Fairly were, similar. They were niche. They were the niche sort Kevin of the market. Smith's changed massively, didn't yeah, they? Yes. Totally right. Yeah. I was meeting uh, Frodo Baggins over there, you see. Elijah Wood. All right. I got a photo with him. What do you mean you were meeting him? Well, he, he was one of the celebrities at it, so I okay. got a photograph. <laughs> As in you and like 5,000 of your best friends. Yeah, well, it was a one-on-one one one photograph. Right. Yeah, so the two of us had a little conversation. You an unplugged fan? Unplugged? Uh, no, no, I wouldn't be an unplugged fan. Is unplugged still a thing? Yeah, they, they do do it. They do, yeah, Jojo, Jojo is kind of like so Yeah, uh, they do do it. Hannon unplugged. Is that a that that there's something there? There's something that we can work on that. Yeah, no. Well, there is, of course, a member of the Hannon family that's exceptionally course, yeah. talented in the music. Oh, yeah. I've always seen your sister on your Instagram plugging her big yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Free free plugs, you see. You could manage her if it were, didn't work. Uh, Spectre Core, yeah. who must have missed that bit, where got we were me wrong. But Liam didn't do Thanks unplugged. Dad. He was in the balcony heckling uh, Noel. That's what you said earlier on. He must yeah, have I think Spectre got in there before me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You are you're heckling each other, lads, on a Friday. This is very friendly. Is it's it a bonding over music? Is that because it? I'm? Yeah, you. No, there, there's, he there's said a, there's well, a, actually no, a, there's a bit of an edge to you today, and I think it's because you're uncomfortable because we're getting on. No, I, I don't want to get involved because I'm I'm loving this. I'm, I think I'm like, it's I think rare. the edge is coming from. I think that James McCullough on YouTube has hit the absolute nail on the head here. James, good man. Uh, where is Shane's wacky shirt? He's usually dressed to go out in the poll on Fridays, and I think that he's. Nailed it. Were you out last night? Were no, but the, 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 he's just no. off. He's off his stride because he's not wearing the flashy shirt. I have a soccer match tonight, so I couldn't go out. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm just wearing a hoodie. This is a hoodie Jermaine Genius gave to me. <laughs> this is another one of your Elijah Wood stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, humble brag. Jermaine Genius just threw me this hoodie. Um, no, I, I, I decided, Adrian. I woke up this morning. I looked down my, my wardrobe and I said. I could do some damage today. There's some shirts there that I haven't you do worn. That, that's every morning. Yeah, it is. But, but I mean, this morning, you know what? Something about me was like, give him a day off. Any good producer, right, yeah. sets the tone for the show, Shane, right? Yeah. Gets, you know, the subtle stuff that everybody at home doesn't get to know about, sets the tone for the day. And like Cullum, you know, the sometimes mic, that's yeah. true, sometimes that's not. This morning, he sent me through that Burt Bacharach uh, song. It was the first thing I did this morning, half past six. And it really just set the tone for the day. I think that was right. it's a sign of a of a mature... 
quality. That's what you want. Knows his, knows his presenters. Producer. Did you notice Agent has new footwear, right? And it's very, unbeco- it's very unbecoming of well, him. Now, and this is something like the audience ro- can't see. It's like rock see, so. boots, but uh, it's very unusual I for Agent's otherwise dress sense. Which gets, oh, it's like business very mature, yeah, <laughs> dancing. Dirty, yeah. I'm only wearing my jocks it's very <laughs> and a pair yeah, of boots. Yeah. I mean, as the return of Dadcast is upon us, true. Um, it, it's very dad, and then it goes down to college as he yeah, goes on, yeah, yeah. and then it's party right at the end. I the, wish, viewers, that you could see what I see right here. Yeah, the and this is the benefit of sitting in between the two I'm of them. I'm only wearing jocks. For only for yeah, yeah, yeah. He was wearing. He had a fresh fade last last weekend. Oh, that was. The, you know what? That was one of your better haircuts. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have to say, yeah, really good haircut. Yeah, and you got your haircut there I during did, the week yeah, too. Yeah, fresh fade as well. Yeah, has to be done. I, this is better sitting here actually, but I'm only doing it because uh, I can't hear up my left ear. You're like um, close to us. Thanks for all the comments that are coming. I think people have uh, enjoyed slash had enough of uh, our. Uh, well, not like you've had enough, but I don't feel like anyone in the comments have enough. Any crappy quiz this week that's after us. Mm. Um, there's a lot of comment on the back pages this morning about the fact that the uh, All Ireland Club final saga has come to an end. Yeah. I mean, we it, it has come to an end. We hope it's come to an end. We hope we never have to hear or talk about it ever again. Mm. Uh, club fan, final saga finally uh, formally grinds to a halt. Writes Michael Clifford, and so the um, Croke Park issued a statement to say that it was done. The uh, Glen had obviously withdrawn their um, appeal, objection, objection, and. Uh, they had asked Croaks to uh, withdraw their appeal to the CAC, which seemed like an unusual thing. Formality. Yeah, like that there was a convincing needed. Maybe Croaks wanted to sort of absolutely clear their name and say, we believe we did nothing wrong and we want that formally acknowledged. It was fairly formally acknowledged in the statement that we're saying there is no blame for Croaks and all of this uh, was the way that was worded. Um, and Colm Keyes writes about in the Irish Independent this morning as well, as do most papers, to be fair. Colm, um, in that yeah, hey, but um, Cullum's point that he writes about Colm Keyes the point is what what does the result go down as now? Was it a committee room decision or does it go down as the final result on the day or how does like well, you know one thing that should, looks? One thing that shouldn't be forgotten and uh, like let's never have this conversation ever again. I'm delighted about that. One thing that shouldn't be forgotten is Croaks were deserving winners. Better team on the day, yeah, for sure. I agree with that. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he he does make that point. Um, so, but in the case of there being no blame on Croaks' part. How would C- the CAC or the DRA have ruled on anything other than uh, not awarding a replay? If if Crow Park are saying, you were not to blame for this, cause, which is what they've said, how could they have... How did the CCCC initially come to the conclusion there was a replay and how could they have had any grounds to force that through? That seems odd to me. Yeah. Um, Am I, is that wrong? I don't know, like, the, the the Glenn perspective made a lot of sense at the time as well. Like, I think, well, I think most... By, most by the way, by the way, it's not, that isn't to, sorry to interrupt, that isn't to say that Glenn didn't have case for yeah, appeal. Yeah, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I think most people who are level-headed, their argument was, well, a replay at this stage is probably the, mm. the right thing to do. But even that it hasn't gone to a replay now, because Glenn pulled out, as you said, withdrew their objection... Everyone's probably reasonably happy. Like, if this had gone the full way and then been decided in Kilmacud's favour, there might have been a few, still a bit of tetchiness and a bit of, mm. well, why did people decide in, in Kilmacud's favour? But the fact that, look, it's been ended in the committee room as opposed to anything nasty, it, it hasn't really gone that gone that far. And the, the issue in the, in, in the first place was the fact that Glenn had to put in the, the objection. Mm. As you said before, like, this could have been decided by the GEA on the day and like I, I even put that to mm. Tom Ryan and Larry McCarthy and 
Larry didn't want to talk about it, and Tom's answer was that no, no, we can't, we can't object. You know, if junior D game in Antrim, same thing. I never but bought that. No, I must no, say. didn't buy the arguments. So look, messy, messy. Uh, one for the GEA uh, and all Ireland for Kilmacud. I'd love to see what it goes down as on, on the Wikipedia. It'll just go down, and like it should, isn't it? It shouldn't go down as anything else. Like they didn't rob it. It wasn't a Meath loud situation. They didn't steal the All Ireland. You can sort of have a back and forth, and we've done plenty of that <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. Of you know who's where the the blame lies and all that sort of stuff. But look, I think the most, as you say, Shane, level out a person would say that in terms of like an opportunity at the end of the game. Mm. It's just it's a tiny percentage play that they were going to get anything out of it. Yeah. Like like if if it had, if there was four points between the team, well then yeah then the, the, the argument would have been like the massive wave would have been a tiny ripple and nobody would have said boo about it and we would yeah. have moved on. There'd have been no calls for a replay. So if it, was it wasn't four a points. steal necessarily. No, but it was still as we said. Like if the, if there's any chance that's above zero, then replay was probably right. But then Glenn pulling out has dictated the direction in which it's headed. The whole saga feels like a giant waste of time yeah after all and we're all left unless, well, it was unless, a giant waste unless something comes from it like because well first of all the short term uh, resolution was the replay which was ordered and then didn't happen so it was, at least that would have been something tangible that was actually worth the debate now that's not happening and then the next thing that has yeah. to happen is some sort of rule change because mm. otherwise this is all this was was just three weeks of discussion and you remember in the first week of it when it just happened so that Monday to about the Thursday or maybe Friday of that week it was like well there's definitely going to be a replay and everybody came to that consensus. Yeah. Oh, well, there's 100, but they're definitely going to replay. Mm. And then as time went on, you did feel, feel the momentum of this thing dissipate. We didn't have a sense of the strength of opinion on the Croke side. And we, they weren't talking, so we couldn't, you know, they were obviously really firmly behind the idea that they had no blame in this. And Crow Park have now said that's fair. There are people in the middle on this. There are people on Kilmacourt Croke side, and there are people on the, on the, the far side of it as well who will go on and say that this is a tainted All-Ireland. That, that's going to follow this around. That's the only legacy that will be from this, is that... Yeah. Of course, we want the GA to change the rules, but some people will say asterisk on that. Alarm. They're not. They're not uh, undeserving of it. Is the thing? Oh no, no, they definitely were, deserving. The better it. team of the day. Yeah, that's deserved to win. Deserved to win. Um, it was just a, the feeling, like the, the chaotic feeling. last thirty seconds. That the feeling in the comments is kind of. I think the overall sense now isn't it that it was this thing has just run its course, and yeah. but it's so disappointing that it's it's ended like this, like just three statements in a row. Well, so one very defiant to start with, and the following two being like actually forget about that, mm. and that's how we're ending this thing. It's and true. all this will be when we look back in the history books is three weeks of discussion to start. Uh, with the history books will hardly bear, bear, but honestly, it will seem, it will seem even more ridiculous then. It will. This and, whole thing. And I. Uh, would genuinely stand over even firmer my belief that a call on Monday morning would have done away with all of this stuff. Like, if we're now in a position where Glenn said, we wanted to make it known that we objected to what happened, but we're happy for the result to stand and we're going to move on. And Crow Park have said, this was no blame on you. And Croaks have given their case. All of that, all of it. And it's not about creating a two-tier system. Could have been done on Monday morning, on Monday evening, get everybody in a room and sit down and chat about it. Like, it turns out that all the parties were very were amenable to coming to some sort of a resolution that didn't mm. involve a replay. That's what's happened. I think the hope between all three parties was that this thing was sorted out. It looks like no party wanted a replay. In the first uh, 24 to 48 hours. I prefer And it then it, it became a bigger and wider conversation to the point that it actually dominated the sports discussions and then something had to be done and it was too late to do anything because yeah. all the club players had moved on. I it, think it was a mess. Like I think I'd prefer to talk about Bert Bacharach. Um, Spectre, of course, says the Wikipedia will be gas with people fighting over the edits for a month. Yeah. Uh, please oh, yeah. stop and move on. It's been discussed to death. Grand, Trevor, we'll, uh, we'll take that. Kevin Callahan uh, wonders, Adrian, who's that buck in the middle that stole your chair, lol? 
Why doesn't he steal his chair? Are you the buck in the middle? Chair. He has a swivel chair and we don't. Yeah, he's got the master. chair is chair. so comfortable, by the way. Some good. Um, John Neil Humphreys. Smith says some good unplugged sets on the Howard Stern show now and again. Uh, now and again. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction was decent. Yeah, Jojo's Jojo, Jojo, yeah, the grunge yeah. officiato of the team. Uh, I'm loving the interest in this unplugged chat in the crowd, do you know? Mm, the, I think you should get into this. This uh, is right up your street. Like. I'll do it. I'll do it. I don't think you will. <laughs> I don't think you will um, uh, and, and I will say Danny Mack makes a point here TG Carr documentary in the works over this All-Ireland uh, we said this is the end of it it won't be like there'll be interviews oh, yeah. you know there will be interviews and on um, whether it's like Conor Glass getting uh, just one last question before you go Conor mm. yeah. after a game shortly or like some of the Croaks lads the same and what do you think they'll say I don't want to talk about it move on uh, but, we, but at some point the books opinion. will be released this, won't, yeah. it's not the end of it we won't get an opinion on this until September I'd say honestly mm. um, and thankfully as well and I also note that Colm Keyes is writing about the Liam Griffin motion to Congress upcoming about the about the, the responsibility of every GA club in the country to field a hurling team at under 7 8, 9 and 10 I think this is a brilliant move and I think that it's possibly the biggest shift in hurling for quite some time that that actually could really breathe fresh life into um what is what is an amazing game and is yeah. underutilized and giving given not given enough attention clearly at never mind about clubs but counties right around the country uh, and from this motion we will see the fruits in 10 12 14 years time when those players start to make their way into the intercounty grade you'll have counties that are the so-called weaker counties suddenly it'll move outside of an eight team mm. Uh, championship I, it's it's huge shift I hope it gets carried there should be no reason that it shouldn't get carried in fact I think that in a few years time we might be end up saying never mind about up to under 10s we might go under 12s or under 14s as this crop uh, come through it's such a simple brilliant motion on a practical level though I, I look I agree with Liam um, but I don't think there should be fines for clubs that can't on a practical level because you need coaches you need volunteers so what, what do you, how do you, I don't how know. Do you and, and then in certain counties like my own county for example in Monaghan like Hurling is number two to Gaelic football is Massive. there any Hurling in Monaghan there is Hurling in Monaghan uh, but there, I'd say there are six or seven clubs maybe mm. proper, proper clubs what, what's your GA club Monaghan Harps was there any when you grew up was there any Hurling there was there was Hurling yeah Monaghan Harps hurling. are one of the six or seven I hurled at primary school level uh, we had a hurling team in primary school, and what happened then? And then it just—it's Gaelic, fo- Gaelic football is just a religion. So that's the danger with this system. That's the one danger with well, this. In counties like Monaghan, kids will just want to get into Gaelic football more. Mm. Like hurling, hurling. There are co- most of the young hurlers in Monaghan. I would say, and look, maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I, the, the ones anecdotally that I know have parents or a father or a mother from Tip or Galway or Kilkenny mm. or Cork or someone who has brought hurling with them mm. and, and force them to watch hurling and play hurling and they've enjoyed it of course but I think you, you, a lot of the time you need that family link to hurling in counties like Monaghan to actually get into it as a kid you need an advocate in the club who's passionate enough yeah, to say that too, yeah. listen this is important and make it fun and want to do it yeah. like that, it's, a, it's a really well raised point because like as much as bringing in the rule will help if you're sort of forcing clubs mm. you're like twisting the arm behind the back to do it no. that's short lived that's criminal only a quarter of the island play it properly like it's mad mm. it's, um, but it's uh, like gig football is just so much uh, so it's easier to get into like like hurling is such a, an acquired skill yeah. that like you need the gear you, as when, well when you're start, well that's one thing but also secondly and probably more importantly in my opinion is that uh, if you're st- when you're starting off playing hurling it's very frustrating because you can't do anything mm. you mm. have to learn how to connect with the slitter 
have to learn how to swing the hurl. Well, a game of football, as you somebody play soccer, who's been you know, transferable. long experienced, a year and a half coaching at academy level, yeah. they will. The coaches, the lead coaches, will tell you if in two years' time your kid can hold the hurl the right way. Job. That's all you need to do. Job done. That's every any, any, Anything after that is a bonus. We played uh, in primary school. We played indoor hurling was a big thing. We had a gym in Cork. Oh, it was yeah, essentially yeah. hockey. <laughs> But yeah, it was it ground hurling. Yeah, ground hurling, yeah. But it, that yeah. genuinely helped you uh, with your hand-eye coordination. So when you went out yeah, into the field yeah. and played proper 15 aside, massively beneficial. It's yeah, but it's, what, what I'm saying is it's simple stuff. It's not like... But as I'm saying, you don't need to create yeah. like um, TJ Reeds at under eight. Mm. It's grand. If they can start to get the basics at that point, that's really all you need. Like, I just think it's, yeah, it's just easier to fall into football, I think. It's just easier to get into. Even in Cork? Uh, it depends where you are. Dual yeah. county. Yeah, mm. but like we played when I was in primary school... I played hurling and football way more than soccer and it was secondary school that I turned to soccer. Did you ever hear back from Clannagale? Have you heard back from Clannagale yet or are you still, still blanking you? Unbelievable. Did you just curse there? I, I nearly did. I nearly did. <laughs> I did by the way, I, the, an editorial point to cursing on this show is going outrageous for a morning show. Has it? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking at you, Adrian. Thanks What's happened? The cursing on the show in the morning. I don't, I, don't know. Know, I don't know if the people out there have noticed like a lot of cursing at the morning. Right. Is that I'm, a, I'm not a big fan of the point of Jeremy or Ar, just the general feeling. Ar, anyway, I start. that's a classic column on there now. <laughs> He'll throw out an issue, and then as soon as somebody puts the focus on, like it, the reverse lights go on. I, like I hold it in oh, no, quite, no, no. quite well. No, you're, you're right. I don't, I don't swear too often. Um, I yeah, they, they never got back to me. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anybody I from Clannagale yeah, that rings end, is it? Yeah, I'm way down the road, like yeah. If but anybody like you, this was a few years ago. Now the email, it was. Them, so it was, it was, you know, it was under, when I was in the crutches, and I wanted to get back fit. Oh, you want to join the club in Dublin? Yeah, yeah. Right, see, lads, we've had this. Yeah, sure, that doesn't matter. It's gone beyond that. I'm playing soccer tonight for the first time in, since August. All oh, right. Yeah. Ma- uh, Eleven side. Five side. Five side. Yeah. I'm falling in. What do you mean you're falling in? I'm a replacement for someone. I can't make it. Happy that now. Friday night football. That has to keeps me keeps me good. I've got an 11 aside match what? tonight now. From other things. You've got what? I've got an 11 aside match tonight. Touches you to the cinema. What, uh, <laughs> what position are you? In five aside. Mm. No, well, generally, well, generally, generally. Well, look, you, does it, Oh, in 11 aside match. A, a, a well, well, well organised five aside team. A well, exactly. <laughs> a well organised five aside team will have their positions mapped out. Uh, mm. Really? Yeah, no, oh, well organised team. Oh, you can't have. You can't have. You always get the fellow who, st- who stays up so there where and the fellow who stays you? back there. I'd be in the middle somewhere. You're midfield then. That's or what I call um, an 11 aside. Uh, you strike me as like a right wing back. No. You seem offended by that. You even know me. No. I play on the left side in attack, but a right footed. You're a touchline. Hugger, are you? Marcus Rashford. Somewhat, yeah, David uh, Beckham uh, style. Uh, oh. No, Lee Sharp go. style. Yeah, Lee, Lee Sharp. Sharp yeah. Chelskis. Yeah, Sharp. Where did you play? Centre half. Uh, I would have been, obviously, I was much more of a GA man. So. Left back at home. Oh. Sorry, go on. Uh, got goal of the year in the New Zealand. Um, oh, was that you? League. Uh, <laughs> was that you? Yeah. With the league. Um, <laughs> 2002. Brilliant goal. Saipan. What'd you do? It was, it was a team goal, admittedly. Alan's listening now, so to be descriptive. Oh, yeah. It was a team goal. It was just, it was brilliantly worked all the way up. It was really crisp passing, pretty, pretty unique for that team. And then at the end of it was a ball sort of lobbed over the top, over the defender's head, and I've snuck in around the back and connected on the volley uh, across the keeper into the far side of the net. There are, there are 21 year olds watching this morning who weren't born when that goal was scored, and yet you just described it like it happened yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mad, isn't it, how you remember your, your glory? Ah, well, like, you know. But it's great, it's great, fair play. What are you nodding at? Move on. Your read, yeah. Um, <laughs> your read. Um, your read, boy. 
You're lying uh, Con- Connor Rose from Advice it's, it's before, we, before we move on. Colum, tipple over to the other side of the bay and Scully Connell will look after you. Mm. Are, are you a member, Connor? Because that would help enormously. I think at this point he's been so burned by Clan Gale, he's sort of half looking for somebody to reach out to him and say, listen, come aboard. Come on, chat to you later. Yeah, go for that there now. Um, <laughs> coming up on, on uh, 8 o'clock, uh, here's what's coming up in the show, is that what we're doing? Uh, between now and uh, 10 for you this morning. And a reminder, by the way, that OTBM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We are going to be uh, talking to Alan Quinlan very shortly, Phil Thompson after that, and all things Liverpool, of course. We might ask him as well about Manchester City. We'll have around the world. It's back, <laughs> and it's brilliant. And it's with Shane, and it's coming your way in a little bit. We'll have uh, former WSL and England star Jilly Flaherty to look ahead to the WSL action this weekend. A couple of very interesting uh, League Cup matches as well uh, last night and the night before, which we will get Jilly's thoughts on. And the Friday fire pit uh, thunders on there's some interesting stuff in the mix there's about 10 ideas in the mix uh, for today's Friday fire pit and uh, what column will choose we're not sure mm. Cyrus Christie's been in conversation with uh, Nathan as well and that'll be coming your way from half past nine what's the hmm about oh, oh uh, come on but Producer Colin, Alan Quinlan on the way. Uh, first of all, Nathan has been taken on the uh, former Dundalk manager of any Perth in a game of FIFA. All part of the OTB Games Room in partnership with Virgin Media. Bring it your A game at 99.9% broadband reliability. We're back with Quinny. OTB AM. 8 o'clock, OTB AM. We're heading into round two of the uh, Guinness Six Nations, of course, this weekend. Alan Quinlan, good morning to you. Morning, lads. How are you? Flying the thanks. How are you keeping? Good thanks, yeah. Very good, good. Good advice you gave us last week in this slot. You were like, watch the, I know you were doing the sales job, but it was very good advice. The clips were doing the rounds. Sonny Bill Williams was even getting in the action at the end of it. I know you're not going to be as vociferously uh, promoting tonight's game for uh, for various reasons, Quinny, but um, there's a lot of brilliant talent in that team. Yeah, there is. Uh, it was a very, um, it was a brilliant match on Friday night in Wales. And I think the first half I was a um, a little bit shocked as were the Irish supporters that were there in Cowlin Bay um, with probably the way Wales put Ireland under pressure. Their backs were outstanding. Um, they could have been further ahead. Ireland were hanging on a little bit. And then they turned it around the second half and got some brilliant tries themselves. I think the two tries they scored, Ireland scored in the first half, were obviously a bit uh, forward uh, dom- uh, orientated with um, you know pressure and power off of malls. Um, Wales backs as I said there's a guy playing Louis Hennessy outstanding at 13 for Wales under 20s and uh, they put Ireland under a lot of pressure but um, Richie Murphy obviously um, got, got the players in at half time and they came out with a different kind of intensity and and uh, performance in the second half and, and they were brilliant and um, the middle you know the two second rows in the back row for, for Ireland were just huge men and uh, very powerful and um, some of the offloads and the tries in the game and obviously the the Sam Prendergast offload for for uh, Nicholson's try was, was outstanding Delicious. You know, with, yeah it was brilliant so um, very heartening to see so many good players coming through in the under 20s and uh, possible guys who could push on for um, you know Ireland honours in the future they're playing France tonight this is Potentially again a grand slam decider. France, France only barely got past Italy last week. Italy missed the conversion to win it, so it should be a great game in Cork tonight. Certainly, so much to talk about with the uh, the game at the Aviva tomorrow. Um, we might start with the our, how Ireland's uh, hand has been forced. A load of injuries. Uh, some of them obviously we'd known about, and then some late injuries. And it really, when you think about it in terms of World Cup context, context, 
It's great. Like, we've been forced to build depth and make late changes and all the sorts of things that happen in the World Cup. Yeah, and Andy Farrell said that, didn't he? That um, it's, uh, it's, he's been really tested and challenged. Um, I think it was very brave um, and a big call for Ireland. They obviously made a decision at the start of the week um, around um, the injuries and... You know, ruling Gibson Park and 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 tied Furlong out early in the week, and Keane Healy. Um, I think if it was the last game of the championship or a cup final or something like that, some of these players would have possibly played. But um, I think this is what he wants, and I think he wants to kind of challenge the squad and the depths. And uh, he's, and to be fair, um, pretty positive, and his attitude is pretty good towards that. Um, obviously. If the coach comes up and starts talking about the misfortune of injuries before a game, it's it's um, it's not great for your side's mentality going into the game. But you genuinely believe Andy Farrell that he's he's liking the challenges around this. Obviously, if France beat them tomorrow, he he'll you know we'll debate whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. But um, you know you, you go to a World Cup. I think 2015, Adrian. If you think back to that Argentina game and. Um, Johnny Sexton's gone Paul O'Connell Peter O'Mahony Tommy Bow, Sean O'Brien there's five of them gone um, and it was really crucial so hopefully if something like that happens in the World Cup that they'll be able to cope and, and obviously the likes of Stuart McCluskey and, and Finlay Bealham are the ones that are you know the big winners here we know what Rob Herring can do he's a very good player and, and having Ronan Kelleher back as well is, is, is brilliant but I think also Conor Murray just yeah. you know we've We've been talking a lot about the way Ireland have played and how good Gibson Park has been in the last 12, 18 months with Ireland, the pace, the tempo. Um, so it's another opportunity for him. And he delivered last week, Conor Murray. But, you know, Finlay Bealham is the one here. And that's probably an area where we were worried about the depth. Again, we'll know more tomorrow. He's coming up against Cyril Bay in a very strong French front row. But it's not a bad situation. Uh, for them and they just got to cope with it and I think you know going back to what I said announcing it early in the week ruling out the players you, some t- coaches and teams before would have kept this quiet till Thursday you know what I mean so the opposition can't prepare and um, you keep it quiet for a bit they announce it early so they're confident in what they're doing Can I just I'm, I'm, I'm as you can tell very optimistic about the um, the fact that we've been forced into the injuries and the help it gives us in terms of the World Cup planning. Can I be pessimistic for a second and say, because I yeah. was interested in your thoughts there about the, you've already name-checked, because I wanted to ask you about the real terms benefit, as in who are the players now that have put their hands up. Have we been lulled into a false sense against the outlads of Wales? Like you name-checked uh, Bealham, uh, you name-checked Herring, you name-checked Murray, and obviously there are others there, McCluskey, and then this weekend obviously Coyne, Casey, Kelleher come into the mix as well. Have have we been lulled into a false sense of depth by playing the Outlads of Wales that we may be about to get exposed a little bit more of and suddenly realise actually we're not in such rude health? Yeah, it could happen. Um, I think if you look at the players that are missing, Adrian, it's very simple. Robbie Henshaw would start, Dan Sheehan would start, Jamison Gibson Park would start and Tyke Furlong. So there's four kind of guaranteed players who would start in the team if they were available. Um, I, I think um, obviously we'll know more tomorrow. France were poor against Italy. Um, it, it's down to the mental side of things as well. Like, you know, it's hard to keep it going all the time when you're winning. And we saw a bit of a lull in November from Ireland against Fiji and Australia. And at the time, people were saying, and Andy Farrell said it, it's not a bad thing. 
Um, I think the, the the depth chart that you're talking about is is about powerful players coming off the bench and very little between uh, selections, if you know what I mean. There's a big difference between, with all due respect to Finley Bealham, who's done brilliantly, and I think he's he's working his socks off and um, improved his game so much and been really consistent. But Ty Farlong is world-class. Robbie Henshaw is world-class. Um and you're know, a consistent performer. Gibson Park has been so good. If the performance didn't go well tomorrow, and and you know it's it's that's the reality of what we faced in Wales. That um, Warren Gatlin rolled the dice going back with with a lot of older players. Um, Ireland were very very good, and how good were were Wales? That's 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 you know if you were kind of been picking through it. Um, I think Ireland would be very mindful of that themselves. But as regards, you know, getting impact off the bench, I think there's a lot of impact off that that Ireland bench tomorrow. Having Ian Henderson back really kind of helps that 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 situation. Jack Conan off the bench, <coughs> a lot of experience. Having Kilcoyne come in there for for um, Keane Healy as well. So we don't know, but I think there's a lot of players and 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 the. The look of the bench is one of experience and guys who won't panic when they come into a big international test match. And that's your fear sometimes that you end up with players that can't make a difference or, or change the game when they come in. And Ireland's depth chart, even though there are certain positions you know, you'd love to be deeper in and have guys outside the 23 who were very unfortunate. There's lots of loose forwards, as there always is, but um, you know, front row... Um, as regards to the prop situation, um, regular starters for the provinces, guys really, um, if they were if they were in any other team, they get picked. So you'd love to have that situation. France have a depth chart that's that's uh, people would be very envious of. But I think it's improved a lot. Yes, for sure. Couldn't help but notice what you might call the rugby league influence on a couple of the games last weekend, Quinny, like you, especially Wigan Warriors this weekend. You have Andy Farrell up against Sean Edwards in many respects. Um, seem to be a lot more offloading for the Irish team. Like it's it's it seems like a more entertaining product watching Ireland now and even watching France as well than say games ten, twelve years ago. Is that why we're all so excited about this match tomorrow? Because it's two teams with quite exciting styles. Um, yeah, well, I wouldn't say that we're. To be careful, I would say way I say this. John Edwards could be watching this morning. Um, I don't. I think Wales are pragmatic in their approach, where they obviously realise that they have incredible power and physicality. Um, they're a very big side. Dupont is the best rugby player in the world. Um, he's just outstanding. His attack, defensively, he breaks up the opposition's attack a lot of the times. But France kick a lot. Um, they kick out of defence and they put the ball straight up the middle of the field. They don't necessarily kick for touch. Um, they are very, very talented and can move the ball when they have to. But um, their style is to try and get in the opposition 22 and really um, that's when they come alive and they, they, you know, they look for little bits of magic and they have a lot of X-Factor players. Mofana at 12 is a you know, superb player as well. There's no Jonathan Dante there who's who plays for La Rochelle and he's been very effective for this French team as well. Uh, Gail Fico, very experienced. So um, they've lots of big ball carriers and they can run out over people. But for Ireland, it's it, their game, 
there the, you talk about the excitement of the offloading and stuff like that it, I think it's just a confidence in attack mm. and uh, lines are running and all that stuff if 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 there was anywhere that would concern me as Ireland just being a bit more pragmatic at times and um, we saw the 20 minutes after half time last week it's just maybe getting hold of the ball kicking long getting good line speed putting pressure on the opposition and trying to play for territory uh, but you don't want to change or stifle their mentality because they were under incredible pressure in New Zealand, the second and third test, and they, the confidence they showed to just keep the ball alive and their accuracy is, is very impressive. But, you know, it, tomorrow is a real test as regards that physicality because they struggled last year in Paris, even though they clawed their way back into the game. They struggle with um, physicality and, and, you know, Sean Edwards, a lot of it is down to Sean Edwards and his plan Closing the gap in the line-out, big pressure at the scrum, pressure at breakdown, line speed, all that kind of stuff. And and Ireland looked disjointed and looked a little bit out of sorts in that first half last year in, in Paris. They got the confidence then in the second half to, well, they had no other choice but to go and attack. And they, and they were brilliant in that second half, the way they played and, and clawed their way right back into the game. So it is going to be down to how they manage the game as well. But I, I suppose... Shane, me saying that you know France are pragmatic. France can be incredibly dangerous as well if mm. something is on. You know, Intermac will go for it or, or Dupont, and then the reaction is pretty good. The big improvement with this French side, and and we've said it many times, is their work rate, fitness, and their attitude around you know staying alive all the time and playing, trying to be really intense in what they do. You're always you've you've all you're always going to play against a big French side, but. You back yourself, and and anyone who's ever beaten them in the last ten years, is, it, it's down to keeping the ball for long periods of time and hoping they switch off and get a little bit lazy. But the mentality of this French team is different, and I think we'll see a different French team than we saw in Rome last week. They know that themselves. I want to be careful how I phrase this, but but there was the 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 um, comments uh, years ago in, in hurling. Donald Cusack accused the uh, Kilkenny. Uh, players of being like Stepford Wives, like the robotic kind of way they went about things. It was very under Cody regimented. There was comments from, from Johnny Sexton during the week when I was watching the press conference where he was like, we now embrace the favourites tag. We embrace being world number one. In the nicest possible way, it, it, it's, is it quite a, a positive thing for an Irish fan to hear? Because years ago, that number, that number one or the favourites tag mightn't have been worn too lightly, but this team seemed more robotic and more well able to wear it. Yeah, I think uh, yes, for sure, and it is a it, it's a stronger mentality. I think they're under no illusions that, and and most sports people are. If you don't turn up with the right attitude and you get you you use that confidence in the wrong way, you can get found out and you can get cut out. I think it's really good thing to generate, and you know I've been in dress rooms before where you're under pressure before the game or at half time and someone speaks up and you actually believe what they say that in other words in simple terms if somebody says well we've not performed in the first half and if we do x y and z and we're fitter and we have this fitness and we can score tries if we hold on to the ball and you start to believe it and generate it i think it's kind of like having that before the game, but also being aware if you don't do your basics well, if you're sloppy in your scrums and lineouts and you're a little bit slow into the breakdown, things start to unravel a little bit. And um, so I think there is a confidence there, but I, I think there's there's 
they're humble around that confidence, if, if you know what I mean. I think none of us, well, I certainly don't think that in any way they will get cocky about, you know, a French side coming to Dublin who on their day are, and they are favourites for the World Cup and they're real potential winners at the World Cup. They're that, going to be incredibly hard to stop. On, on that, Quinny, just to pick that up, because if Italy do as they should have done with the last play of the game, if they had like an out half who could have squeezed them into the corner, if they had a little bit more composure, we'd be having a totally different conversation about France today, right? We'd be saying, oh, geez, they were caught by Italy in the opening round. How do we fully reflect on them? What's your thoughts of like the tightness of that game? Should we be encouraged by their fallibility or impressed by the fact that they could actually grind it out in the end? Um, I think a mixture of both. I think... Um you know, France are kind of on a bit of a journey as well of of developing a mentality. And you know, Sean and Edwards Galtier and Rafael Ibanez have done a brilliant job there. I think there's a different body language about this French side. Um, so we should be impressed that they they had enough to get the job done in the sense that they won playing poorly with a lot of bad discipline, but they didn't enjoy it. They wouldn't have enjoyed it. The bad news for Ireland is. Um, you know, they're going to get a, a rocket up their backsides all week. It's a six-day turnaround for them. I think uh, they were rusty and uh, probably dis- really disappointed with the way they played at times. And, you know, they should have kicked on and won by more. But credit to Italy. And I think everybody is delighted with the, with the way Italy played. And hopefully they can continue that through the championship. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a very, very powerful side. And they're... You know, this this is a real challenge for them, you think, coming to Dublin. They were here two years ago, and I think um, Ireland were kind of struggling a little bit. They lost to Wales in the first round of the championship, 15-13 um, to that, ge- that game in France. I, I think if you remember, James Lowe nearly scored in the corner. One or two little defensive errors in France had two tries, won the game, and they were able to see it out. So there's a lot of steel and resilience in these French players, and... They will. Uh, they'll know that the, the vast majority of the Irish team are Leinster players. Toulouse have played them a number of times. They were in Dublin here last year, so they know that Ireland are going to try and play with this pace and tempo, and they'll try and stop them. But um, it'll be interesting, you know. <clears throat> maybe we've hyped France up too much, but I think look, it's that's that's probably taking it too far. I think when you look at the players individually, there's a lot of brilliant players in there who probably just need to change gears a little bit and. It's a little bit of a ma- mental wake-up call for them. And some of them, like you point out, know how to beat uh, <clears throat> Leinster, uh, the Leinster players in that, including some of the La Rochelle lads, including uh, Gregory Aldred. And uh, the, the back row, Quinny, your area of speciality, it looks like is such an intriguing, intriguing battle. He's Irish qualified um, through, I think, a grandparent, Gregory Aldred. Uh, obviously, that ship has sailed now. <laughs> if he had a turn green... Uh, like obviously one of the most fascinating battles is himself against Doris tomorrow. If he'd turn green, which one of them are you putting in your team? Uh, they're two world-class players, aren't they? They just have so many um, moments in the game, turnovers, carries. Um, Aldred is so kind of robust and he's just non-stop, works incredibly hard and, and uh, I'm a big fan of his for a number of years and he's he's always highly involved in what France are doing um, with the ball, without the ball. Um, Doris, on the other hand, you know, I think his game has gone from strength to strength. Um, he, he, he's just, his footwork, he's carrying. Um, I think I'd, I'd try and play the two of them, but Doris is, uh, Doris is certainly the one for me that's, that's just really grown as a player. I think he's, 
incredibly mature and all. He's reading the game is superb. I think, and that's one big one of the biggest strengths for both of them actually, the way they read the game and um, any great number eights or number eights I would have played in my own career. Um, you know, the best of, best of those were ones who can read the game because um, you know you just you have to be a good footballer, obviously. But it's being able to see things in front of you, whether it be when you're defending or whether you're carrying the ball or or going forward. But uh, two wonderful players, and that's a real battle. And <clears throat> you can be a brilliant player, but it. it, it on either of these teams, Aldred or, or Doris, um, but it's up to the players around them as well. And I think, um, you know, it's 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 a really intriguing battle, that whole front row. For them to have um, Charles Olivon back as well is a big boost because he's a big leader for them. Um, he's their captain. He's been, He was out for most of last year with a, a cruciate ligament injury. Um, he's a great player as well. And... Uh, Jalanch is abrasive, he's aggressive. So, um, yeah, it's a real battle and it's a real area of, of France's strength. They brought back Francois Cross on the, on the bench as well and they've Malakou, who's another outstanding athlete as well. They've gone for that 6-2 split, so they're relying on that energy and power off the bench, Galtier is. If you're Andy Farrell in the dressing room, Quinny, what areas of the French game are you focusing on to target? Like the, the mall was one in which I know Italy got one try, certainly from the French mall mistake and a penalty as well at one stage. And then the, the indiscipline as well. 18, I think I don't think they had conceded. I read somewhere that the last time they conceded more penalties was in 2003 in a Six Nations match against Italy. Uh, 18, Ireland conceded 13 of their own against Wales. But if they can pinpoint that French indiscipline and force mistakes, surely that's a, a route to a victory. Well, against anyone, Shane, if you can uh, if you can build multiple phases, teams, um, no matter how disciplined you are, you're going to get pinged here and there for for offside or indiscretion. So, I think if if Ireland were looking to and and it's about their attack as well and how you beat France, it's it's about keeping the ball for long periods of time. Um, I think you'd be more concerned about their strengths if mm. if if. Um, if I was being honest, which is a scrum, um, their their power around the breakdown, their physicality, how do you combat that? Um, that first half in Paris last year was was a little bit scary, to be honest, with the way they just physically out-muscled Ireland on a few occasions. Um, it wasn't down to sheer size or anything like that. It was just their very physical side and their abrasive players. So for Ireland, getting the scrum right is number one priority, I think, Um Winning their own lineup ball, and and you know we saw last week that some great attacks off their lineup when they won clean possession. I think if you're trying to expose France in any way, um, I think it's just playing with that pace and tempo and being really accurate in attack, and hope that you get into you know high high phases and that you can get mismatches. But um, Ireland Ireland's mall has been really good defensively and from an attacking point of view. So. You can't drift away from what you want to do in a game as well, and and and. But I just I don't I think Ireland and and they did it last week a lot. They win lineouts out the field. Um, someone secures the ball, and then you have Sheehan or Van der Fleer coming off the the back of the lineout or Doris. So it just make, gives you a little bit of space throughout the field and, and allows you to pick places to attack. Um, I'm going to need one word answers from you here because uh, you're another media outlet coming, uh, one of your many portfolio of media outlets, Quinny, looking to, uh, to come and get you. So give me one word answers here then. Ireland, France? Um, I think Ireland will win. Scotland, Wales? Come on, Wales. Um, 
I think Scotland will win. They slipped up two years ago in the same fixture, so um, uh, same same kind of results. But I, I think this time, um, yeah, I think Scotland will win this time. And it's England. a good Welsh side, though. It's exciting that he, Warren Gatland has made six changes. Mm. He's gone for youth. He rolled the dice last week. England, Italy. Um, On Sunday. You'd have to think that England will probably bounce back. Um, their attack was very blunt last week. and But hopefully, I think everyone would love to see Italy make a game of that. And, and continue in the championship and be really, really challenging the other teams. Yep, they may well do. Quinny, thanks a million. Goodbye. Cheers, lads. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the games. Alan Quinlan, uh, as informative and interesting as always. Uh, great build-up, uh, says Carl Doherty. Uh, Papa Shango says Ireland should win. Uh, France have been very average. Lucky to win their uh, lucky to win their last three games. Um, look, at, there's there were various ways to spin it, and I was interested mm. to get Quinny's thoughts on whether like should we be encouraged by all this Italy stuff, or he mentioned about the rocket up the hoop there, like that's a uh, you know. There's a fear, I, isn't there? A wounded animal sort of you'd, fear. You'd rather that sort of stuff was happening like in the eve of the World Cup because there's too much time for them now to get it right again. But it's probably a perfect time to play France because of the game last week. Uh, sorry, in that France will be at their utmost strength. Like they will not take this game for granted. Like Matt Williams was saying yesterday, he doesn't remember Six Nations, and of course he's living in France. He doesn't remember Six Nations where the team is so behind, or sorry, the country are so behind the team. Everyone in France has gotten on board. Perhaps because it's a World Cup year, mm-hmm. um, and the World Cup is in France. I guess there's a lot of hype already starting, but there's just something about the French team at the moment that that strikes fear into me. So if Ireland can come on the right side of a victory tomorrow without Gibson Park mm. and without Dan Sheehan mm. I mean that that spells positive Burlong. things yeah I mean we're, sure. exactly like we're, if we can do it without though some up like probably four starters then you're it's a couple of players that people haven't that form an injury and stuff with Andrew Conway and Keith Earls that, yeah. that have sort of disappeared off the conversation but like I mean two not uh, dissimilar characters in terms of what they, they bring to that team but yeah. they've been brilliant for Ireland over the years as well they could well end up in a starting 15 at a World Cup and you need strength and depth to win a World Cup mm. like uh, maybe it's been something that, that's been missing from Irish squads at World Cups in recent years we've had really really strong starting 15s mm. and then maybe the bench just didn't have the depth of other nations that went on to win it so this year there's a lot of excitement and rightly so I think but um, the fact that we're embracing that favourites tag and embracing this game Cole Killers Shane that's ah. And the crowd is going to be a bit like, I know people say, oh, sure, crowd has no impact. What, what do they have to do with the match? But the atmosphere tomorrow in the Aviva is surely going to help the Irish team somewhat. Um, so I can't wait for it. It's going to be cracking. We have Jilly Flaherty to come to look ahead to the uh, weekends and beyond WSL action. Look back at the League Cup as well last night and the night before. So that's all to come. we we'll get her thoughts on the proposed new uh, Super League as well and the potential impact on the women's game. We have our Friday Fire Pit upcoming as well. Who knows what the topics are going to be? There's about 10 in the mixer and Cullum is going to uh, choose those for you just after 9 this morning and Cameron will join us in studio as well. Before all of that, we'll uh, move to football. Phil Thompson, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. You all right? Flying it. You have to excuse my croaky voice this morning. I've got, I've got the, the man's leggy. Are you uh, you're having a lot of deep and meaningful conversations about the crisis at Liverpool, Phil? Is that what's going on here? Yeah, it's getting quite close to a crisis. It's, it's, it's hard. It's so... I'm in London at the moment, and it, so there was that a function last night. Everybody's asking the same, what is happening to Liverpool? And what, what are you telling them that, that, that you... What's the... What is the uh, internal monologue about what's going on? Well, it, it, the easy answer is, I don't know. It has got that bad. Um, and you like to think you come up with answers. You like to think tactically, sort of emotionally. And you go through all those things. It, was it Sadio Mane? You know, people look back at that. I'd like to think that's too easy. 
uh, an option to just say Sadio Mane. Um, but you look at it, I'd, I'd like to sort of put my finger on the press. is just not working anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how and why. And people go to the legs in the midfield. They've got no legs in there. They, they're becoming too old. There's a little bit to that because our midfield is all sort of early 20s and then... 30s. There's no in-between with it all. So maybe there's a bit of that. Was there exhaustion from last season? Possibly. Emotionally from last season. There's all these things. I did try to put my finger on. It was a high press. It's just not working. And that's not just the midfield guys. That's not just those people. As we always say at Liverpool, it starts at the front. It starts with Bobby Firmino. started with Sadio Mane and Mo Salah. Somehow, some way, that is just not working because teams are getting through us too easily. And you see Allison as being one of the top four goalkeepers making the most saves. That in itself tells you something's not right. Mm, it's a worry. Sometimes we tend to overly complicate fo- uh, conversations around sport generally and, and around football, Phil. And I wonder, just to tap into what you're talking about there, in terms of trying to put your finger on the pulse of what exactly is going on, is there like a hope, blind or otherwise, in the background that basically once you can get all those players back uh, on the pitch the likes of Diaz Firmino you mentioned Jota back Canate Van Dijk back and you know uh, Liverpool expose themselves to another summer transfer window where admittedly I think everybody accepts they do have to bring in a couple of players in midfield but those things start to come right that then that's it that it's nothing more complicated than that to get the players back continue the same system and everything is going to be fine is that the blind hope here? Well, that is the blind hope. It does sound great. You make this sound look absolutely lowered. That is all going to come right. But those players have to be then integrated. And as you know with Jürgen, when players, and he says, oh, the players have been back in training, they're actually out on the grass. But you don't see them for another week after that. Now, Van Dijk is supposed to have been training. But will he be risked to go in on Monday against Everton? I don't think that'll be the case. I think we'll probably see Matip and Gomez uh, have to be put back up again. So Canate and Van Dijk, I think everybody would say, is your preferred centre-back partners. But And, and Diaz was probably our best player, along with Alisson, before he got injured. Jota, who provides great energy. So all these things are going to help. But there's just... I have not seen a Liverpool team for such a long time by so many players out of form with that out of form becomes a, uh, a lack of confidence and nothing seems seems to work, the full backs were sort of, even before the World Cup wasn't working um, Klopp was changing Trent changing Robbo, that wasn't so, and so the players lose I think you lose a little bit of faith, does the manager still fancy me he's leaving me out so there's all doubts come in, and I think that has that has not helped us. But yes, I think quite easily you get those sorts of players back, things should be decidedly better. One of those players out of form, Tomo, is is uh, Fabinho, and uh, I think oh. he he was described by Pep Linders last year as Liverpool's lighthouse, and the light's gone out certainly when you look at his performances this season. He's just he's not all there. But and I've seen some people suggest maybe he needs to revert back to more of a defensive role. Well, how do you explain? the lack of form from Fabinho in particular? Well, I think one of the big things was is that I think he had a new baby. 
Um, and as we all know, guys, those sleepless nights and everything, and you go, oh, well, it is. it does adhere to footballers as well who need to sleep, who need that energy, who need to do it. But his form has dropped off the cliff. I've never seen a player who was so good and you relied upon so much. Who was that anchor? His, his, his legs, he couldn't seem to pick his legs up to sort of pass the ball. He couldn't pick his legs up to make a tackle. When he did make a tackle, he made a poor one. But I know he was, he was ill last weekend, but if it was this big game and I, I was looking at picking this team, I would go for him. I would go for him on Monday. I would go for Milner on Monday. I would go for Henderson on Monday. I would go, and not leaving out Thiago that, uh, by Cetic, who's doing really well. But I think this is need of experience. It needs strength. Because Everton will go with Decore again. Garner Gay, they won't go with Anana, who are, who are big, strong lads. And I think we need, we need to match that. Is me saying we need to match them. You know, this, this should not be the case. Does that same point apply to... I saw John Aldridge calling for Mo Salah to be dropped. Does the same point apply? I, you, you, that, that, that is quite an easy option. But you can't because sooner or later, and hopefully it's soon, is Mo's going to click. Mo's still been having chances. It's not come off. And sometimes, I don't know, I wasn't a striker. John was. You snatch at things, you know. And somewhere along the line, being at Anfield in a derby game... Mo, it'll just be the game, I think, to, to kick Mo on. I wouldn't leave him out for that. Always that possibility of him scoring goals. And somewhere, we are going to, those chances that we're having are going to start to go in and somebody's going to get a bit of a doing. And I'm hoping it's going to be on Monday. Are, are you concerned in any way, Tomo, about uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and um, uh, Andy Robertson? Because... In previous years gone by, when, when Liverpool were successful, they were hallmarks of that team. Getting forward, there was no fear. There seems to be a reticence and, and certainly a, a change in style uh, in a negative sense to, to Robertson and, and Trent this, this season. Yeah, no, I would not disagree with you on that. They certainly have nowhere near hit the heights. And they were, as teams sussed that out, you know, has that been a, a sort of a big part of the opposition's way of playing? How they've negated them? But certainly they've not been as, as energetic. And certainly the assists haven't been anywhere near the case. Listen, quite that those things you can work on in training, you can deliver, 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 but it's positions. And I think the positions have been probably another five to ten yards further back where normally they'd be confident. And Mo Salah would move in from that right-hand side, move into midfield, Trent would go. The ball would be a diagonal. You can see it in your mind's eye. That has been very few and far between. And that, that comes down to confidence. Do you go there? You've been getting pulled up for your defensive qualities. So I've got to stay back a little bit. So the whole function doesn't work. They have been a major part of us. We we have seen previously snippets of Jurgen Klopp's spiky side, Phil, over the last couple of years when things have not gone quite, not not as badly as they are at the minute, but not quite according to plan. It seems to have moved into full whack now. He's having spats with the media every other week. Yeah. What, if you Google his name right now, the top searches are all about whether he stays or goes. That feels to me surely a million miles from where we're at in terms of Klopp and Liverpool. I totally agree, and I, I'm one of them. Jürgen is the only one who can who can call that 
if he thinks he's he's lost the faith of the fans, if he thinks he's not being listened to by the players, Jurgen Klopp has got a lot longer to be. If Jurgen Klopp was to leave Liverpool, we were looking for a new manager. He's one Jurgen Klopp. And I just don't think there's anybody out there. You look, and yes, Everton, you looked at the people who they were looking at for a new manager. There's not of the quality anywhere near out there. Jurgen Klopp is priceless. And, and I do, and I think this, this is just one of those things. People go the seven-year itch. But Jürgen has still got a lot to offer. And yes, he has been spiky. And I know, and I can understand, remember, God bless him, Gerard Houllier got really touchy when things were going wrong. Managers as human beings. They feel the pressure when it comes on. And I think Jürgen has, has, has had that little bit of spats with people. Hopefully it will settle down when results come back. We were chatting to Andy Mitten yesterday um, from United We Stand, um, Tomo, and he was talking about the Manchester United Leeds United rivalry and how at the game during the week there was a lot of uh, hateful abuse and, and songs being sung back and forth. Ahead of Mer- the Merseyside Derby on Monday, what, what's the, the, I guess, temperature reading around the Derby at the moment? Is it as vitriolic as maybe it used to be? Yeah, you're quite right, and they have done. And it, it's horrible. And, you know, I, don't, I can't understand why these people don't... It, to use the voices to support the team, to support the team rather than finding things of how and disgusting things of how to hate the opposition and do things and, and graffiti all over the place. You know, it's not people have feelings. People are still like that. They hate deep down. What do they? Why does this? They get off on on these awful chants, these awful things that do. There's no need for it. You know, the, 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 there was, there's been human cost to a lot of these these chants. It is not right, and people need to have a good look at themselves. I know there's emotion in sport. Just have a look at yourself and just be maybe big and brave enough to turn around if, if some youngster wants to start something and go, do yourself a favour. Let's get behind the team. Let's support our team rather than having a go at at other teams and their misfortunes. I just, I don't get it myself. And I just think it's an awful, awful society problem. Uh, an awful time on the pitch, Phil, to be playing Everton. You must be worried for Monday. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, it sounds incredible, doesn't it? Everton have been on this incredible run of, of you know, six or seven games unbeaten. You would you think that was the way. Everton have had one one win. And the Evertonians are absolutely looking forward to the derby. And some of the Liverpoolians are going, oh my goodness, it's been one win. And yes, our form's not been good. But we need to rally, we need to come. It's, it's a derby. You need um, fire in the belly, ice in the brains to go into a derby match and make sure you perform in the right manner and you don't get carried away by the emotion. You are ready for it. The fans, the players everybody and I'm making it sound as though this is huge this is a huge game not just as a derby but going forward to the end of the season for Liverpool mm, it's funny the, the importance as a derby it takes on it maybe it for is. all the wrong reasons Phil potentially absolutely um, I, we asked you at the top you were, you were mentioning you were out and about last night and people were asking about Liverpool I'm sure Man City is obviously the topic of conversation as well are you in any uh, WhatsApp group with former players or what's the what are people saying about the City stuff no, we we do. We have it. It has been. Listen, if if you'd have known and you'd you'd have watched, this has been coming. People have been surprised, and and Man City saying they were surprised by it. This has been coming 
for a while, and I can tell you this is this has been talked about for years in boardrooms up and down the country. So it's no surprise to football clubs in the inner house, and people were waiting for this, and this was taking place. And people would say, well, thankfully, there isn't a time scale issue with the Premier League, whereas that was the case with UEFA. So what will be, will be. It's been, and it's been a difficult, it's been, you know, we're saying Liverpool's had a difficult time. Man City on the pitch has not been all all great, but this, this has been a big sort of slap in the face for them as well. The potential punishments, Tomo, have been quite wide-ranging. You look at points deductions or re- relegation to the Championship or, or even retrospectively taking titles, Premier League titles off, off City. Is that an option that you think they should go down or will go down? I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of those Liverpool players of seasons gone by wouldn't particularly like to win a title that way. No, no, it doesn't. It's, as soon as Lucas Leiva put something on Twitter, he says, does that mean I'm a league, league <laughs> champion? Um, from going back a few years ago. It, it depends where, where it all goes. What will be, will be, guys. It's it's quite easy for me to be really sort of bitter and, and say, oh, strip them of everything. You would like to think it will be a, a, a sensible option. It'll be a, a sort of... Des- if, if it is, if it's not, it should be forgotten about. And as City say, we, we, we will move on. But um, it, it has to be done because it, it, is, it is something... People think this has just happened. This has been ongoing for a while. And as I say, um, all the football clubs in the Premier League have, have been aware of what things have happened. And I just think they were hoping that this just wouldn't be rushed under the carpet. We were talking about sort of potential managerial movements and Stevie G doesn't tend to get linked very much with Liverpool anymore, uh, just given the career path he's been on before. Are you in contact with him? Do you expect him to be back in the game, Phil? What's your thoughts on the next move for Stephen Gerrard? Do you know what? There will be, um, there will be jobs coming up, um, you would think, quite, quite soon. The Leeds one is quite interesting. Um, you wonder, sort of, obviously, the, the lad from, from Spain is not... Looks like it's not coming. That might still read itself. But there'll, there'll be other options for Stevie. And the Poland one was a strange one. Um, but any publicity at times is good publicity for you. But it puts your name out there as a manager and to keep yourself. And Stevie needs to have a look at all these things. I didn't think that was right for him at his age, uh, international manager's job. But I do think Stevie's still got a, a lot to sort of to look forward to. He had a lot to deal with, which can't really go into what was that um, at Aston Villa. So it wasn't just plain sailing. Oh, you go in there, you put your tactics in, everything goes right. There's a lot of winning, a lot of faith and a lot of trust from players, from the club. And maybe it all wasn't sort of it all right. But Stevie's still got a lot to offer. And, you know, um, People still talk about it, still get asked about it, Stevie, for Liverpool. And maybe one day that might happen. Maybe needs a bit more experience. Uh, interesting, because that was my next question. Um, the, uh, is there any point in asking you for a prediction for Monday? Oh, of course. 3-1 for Liverpool. <laughs> I, do think, I do think Everton will score. I think we are still vulnerable in that area. 
But I think we're going to come good, and I think it'll be a three-one scoreline for the Reds. Who's going to score, Phil? That's the, that's this is the and, question. And listen, Where are the guys going to go? Ivan Yates, God bless the guy. He always used to say that was Tomo's favourite scoreline, three-one. <laughs> I met I met him in the street last week, Phil. He's not dead. He's uh, <laughs> he's very you know much what? alive and kicking. No, no, but I'd, I'd love the guy. I loved our chats with Ivan. Yeah, and I do. No, I wasn't saying God bless him or, or anything that. Because he was such a great guy when it comes to Ireland, and we we met. He was he was a fantastic fella. Is is Darwin Nunez going to score, Tom? I think is the question on a lot of Liverpool fans' lips. Like, when is he going to score? Do you know what? It's uh, Kakpo as well. You're yeah, for, for sure. Uh, but Dar- Darwin Nunez, people, the jury's still out. I like him because he runs forward. He causes problems. Yes, he may go offside, but he wants. He's energetic. He has to play against Everton. He will cause them. And I would like to see maybe Gakpo on the left. But uh, Darwin down the middle, I think he would cause Everton problems with his direct runner, with his sort of aggressive nature. Again, you'd need a fire in the belly, ice in the brain for a derby match. Catch up with you down the track. Phil, thanks a million. Cheers, guys. Take care. Thanks a million. As always, Liverpool legend uh, Phil Thompson there. Always interested to get his thoughts ahead of the weekend. And... um, Oh, the Man City one is so... Uh, Liverpool fans must definitely be like a point last year, mm. a point a couple of years before that. They must definitely... Like, those margins are tiny and they must definitely be... I Look, I don't know what you do with it. You're frustrated as all hell. I don't really know what you do with that because, I mean, there isn't really a situation, is there, where... Um, they end up awarding titles to other like how do you no. how do you go about that? You don't want to win that way. Like it's just it's a similar to the Glenn Kilmacud situation. Funny Glenn players probably wouldn't have liked ah, to have won in the way. Well, if if no, well you know <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm glad I'm sadder when you said that. It's not a bit similar. No, but I mean you want to win on the pitch and you want to be able to have celebrated yeah. at the time. It's the equivalent of Glenn just have been been handed the trophy, yeah, you know, after yeah, the match, yeah, yeah. which nobody would well, have wanted, and that also would have been. Ludicrous. Yeah, completely. Just as it would be ludicrous to just hand Liverpool or Manchester United for the 2012 Euro year. Well, it would be less ludicrous because they might legitimately have claimed to it. Yeah, but then, like, there is, as as someone said with us during the week, there is the butterfly effect. Like, you know, what what if if City hadn't bought X amount of players with, with that money... You know what impact would that have had on other teams? Players would have gone elsewhere. I think there's, there's no I, way of quantifying. I think there's a layer that you have to stop at. Yeah, right. I, I I do take that point. Like, who the hell knows? A sliding door doors moment, and who the hell knows? But I think there's a layer. Maybe I look at it. It's unlikely they will ever go that way. So all the talk seems to be like some sort of financial fine or yeah, like maybe a, a points deduction. They should they should relegate them. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shouldn't uh, they? Like that would be the fairest. They'd relegate them. Man City would keep the vast majority of the players. Would they? They would because they're paying them stupid money. Yeah, but they they people are not. There's no um, romanticism about going to play for Manchester City. It's it's everybody's at Manchester City is Ronaldo in Saudi Arabia. They're just going for the cash. There's no like grave going for a Barcelona or a United or a Liverpool or like these teams of your. Uh, look, that'll come down the track for future generations, yeah. people, who, kids who are looking at City now. For sure it will. But it's not there at the minute. And I don't think... Relegate them. The players will still stay there. I they'll, don't they'll win the championship by 300 points and come straight back up again. And they'll be back in the Champions League the following year. Footballers' contracts, footballers contracts have so many stipulations. They're, like, they're almost novels nowadays, footballers' contracts. And they have everything covered. Like I'm, I'm sure there are stipulations and contracts as to if a club is relegated for whatever reason. 
that they, they can just leave the contract. They, they, I'm sure they could. De Bruyne and Haaland right. aren't, aren't staying at City. Are you joining Man City and like talking about a relegation clause? No, but a relegation for a re- reasons. I know, I know. I, think, I take the point, but but, but it'd be an interesting one. It like, would when your lawyer goes. Oh, by the way, could we talk about the possibility of relegation? Have, well, you, looked a, have you looked at that paragraph? And everyone goes. <laughs> but it's to say Anthony Martial had a clause in his contract. If if he ever won the Ballon d'Or, then well, was, that was just as ludicrous. Yeah, exactly. But but these things are all covered. Every eventuality seems to be covered in contracts. There's absolutely no chance to Bruyne and Haaland and all these players stay with City for a year in the championship. I don't, I disagree. Ah, not a chance. What miss out a one year of Champions League? How long is a player's career realistically? Ten, ten, ten years. Make it rain, baby. Maybe five solid years. Give me an extra. Give me an extra twenty grand a week. But then they're missing I'll, out on Champions stay. League money, Premier League TV rights money. They're, they're they can't afford to be keeping half these oh, fellas. City. Well, no, of course they have. I think to. the whole point is they can afford to do whatever. No, they but they'll be, if they're hit massively, it's not large like. No, it's not. But Jesus, can you actually genuinely imagine those lads playing in the championship? I genuinely, I mean this hundred percent. Couldn't see a situation where they would leave. I think it'd be a mass exodus. I honestly do because what would follow it would be a rebuild from there. It'd be a re- um, like Rangers' job. I doubt it. I don't know. I can't, like the moolah, Shane. That's what I'm talking about. No other reason. The moolah. Okay. Yeah. Granted, but some of these footballers have so much moolah now that they did like. They want to play Champions League football. They want to win titles as well. Would they not just look for a transfer straight away? They can't win the Champions League Man City either way. Uh, that's a fair point. Um, I want to mention, by the way, that uh, just for all uh, American football fans out there, the big news that uh, the Notre Dame Navy game, of course, coming to the Aviva Stadium on uh, August 26th. It is a big deal and demand for tickets is off the charts. Uh, there's going to be an awful lot of people coming from the US. There will be 40,000 uh, expected. Um, it's the largest transatlantic uh, movement of Americans for any sporting event ever. 40,000 people. Wrap your head around that one. Uh, coming over here for the college football game in August. And uh, as such, because ticket demand is so high, um, the organisers have had to launch a lottery for tickets. So if you're interested in getting involved, you can head along to collegefootballireland.com and uh, check out the ticket lottery there. Get your name down and see if you get drawn in the hat um, because most of those tickets obviously are going to the fans that are travelling over uh, from the US. A couple of comments to bring you. Uh, um, what can we read out here, Shane, is kind of the question. <laughs> uh, the Francie Brady says, after the intro, I had to go and listen to Nirvana Unplugged. I'm back now, but way behind. So he'll be listening to that at about like 10 o'clock this morning. Mm. So Francie Brady, fair play. I'm probably going to do something similar myself later on. Mm-hmm. Go down um, a dark, dark hole on YouTube. <laughs> drops Hallett to the bench and bring him on angry like against Rangers says Fergus Kyo <laughs> well it worked that night so I mean there's something in that some players sometimes need to just sit sit in the bench for the first 60 minutes and come off and do some demosha I just I just, I don't think dropping Salah is the, prob- is, the, is the solution he's too good as Tomo says he could. you never know when he's going to click into gear it's uh, 10 to 9 we're going to talk to Jilly Flair what are you laughing about at Columns and uh, yeah, um, Jilly Flaherty is going to join us in a little bit. You don't know what's going on. I'll tell you to hurry up, any given it? moment, it's like any kind of carnage going on. Yeah, Jilly Flaherty is going to join us. She's the former WSL uh, legend, England legend, and uh, she'll talk to us about uh, an interesting weekend of WSL upcoming. The League Cup games last night as well. We're going to have the Friday fire pit at uh, about ten past nine this morning as well, and maybe a little bit later, uh, where who knows what we'll be discussing. But before all of that, it's the moment we've all been waiting for all week. It's around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You need to get a visual support for that sting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's not me smirking. Yeah, get that smirk off your face, Hannah. Um, Is that was that what was said? I'm sure been? someone's going to comment it. Car crash usually. Oh, sorry, is my, I is that my you friend. Were having flashbacks to school. No, well, actually, yeah, I have heard it said to me before. Um, around the world, welcome to the slot that everyone loves. 
some people love to hate, but you know what? Leave a positive comment and let us know how much you love it this morning. Uh, we'll, we'll start this morning, Adrian, in South Africa. This is a story that was doing the rounds a bit last week, but we didn't really get to cover it uh, in, in its entirety. South African lawmakers scrapping a proposal, uh, a proposed sponsorship deal with Tottenham Hotspur. This has caused carnage in, in South Africa. Uh, so the country's official tourism board had conditionally approved this. This was a proposed three-year deal worth 900 million South African rand. Look at South African money, by the way. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's a buffalo or a bison. You've got an elephant. You've got lions. It's the big SKG leopards. was explaining it was at the office. Big five. Big, the big five. I can't remember it? what the big five are. Elephant and lion are two of the big five. I think a leopard was one. There were a couple of random ones in there. You know what? There's three. Solid. I think in a, in a, the research for this item is yeah, off the charts. It's fantastic. But that's it was nine hundred million South African rand, which translates to about uh, fifty two million dollars. Critics saying though. Uh, this is not a good idea. Country uh, being battled uh, every day at the moment, South Africa, by uh, power blackouts, water shortages, significant unemployment in the country. So you can imagine this went down like a lead balloon, essentially. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to sponsor Tottenham Hotspur and pump a load of money into a Premier League club um, miles and miles and miles away. So uh, the Parliament, the Tourism Committee in, in South Africa, called for this to be stopped immediately. They were like, this deal ends today. It ends now because there's everything wrong with the deal. There must be an investigation with immediate effect. Uh, it's caused plenty of arguments in the South African uh, Parliament as well. Uh, back and forth, finance officers, be, um, calls for him to be removed from positions. Uh, it's a conflict of interest. It's, it's, it's something that in a country ongoing financial difficulties at the moment, you can't be pumping money into a foreign Isn't club. the whole point of advertising that it brings in more money? Improving tourism. I, I, get, I get that they're trying to bring people into South Africa, but the fact that they're pumping so much money into it, is probably why it's caused so much consternation. Also, lads, I presume somebody in the Tottenham, in the South African Parliament stuff and went, lads, it's only Tottenham. Yeah, lads, it's Tottenham. It's, it, that, that argument is probably, it, it dies on the door. Um, I, I just, the, so uh, one of the um, South African um, congressmen saying the money is invested in tourism isn't money that's required for other needs in the country. There are departments that are dedicated to that. Ours is to spend money to persuade travellers to, to come to South Africa to spend money. So like, that's the other argument. That's the other side of it. But uh, Tottenham have been fairly quiet about this. We haven't heard much. So in exchange, it was reported that in exchange for this £42.5 million investment, South Africa Tourism would receive kit branding. So you'd have it on the side of the, the kits. Interview backdrop branding. Match day advertising. Partnership announcements. You had training camps in South Africa. And free access to tickets and stadium hospitality as well. So it's one of those deals. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's caused a lot of consternation in South Africa, but that's the deal that uh, we thought we'd uh, bring up on around the world today because it's it's definitely yeah. caused a bit of controversy. Fake news elsewhere, so it didn't. So yeah. we, we might as well throw it in. The next story, Adrian. We're going to head to Bochum, Germany. Apparently, the sixteenth largest city in Germany. Bochum. Fun fact. Wow, this item is off to a belter. Fun being used very lightly there. VfL Bochum being the team. Uh, based in the city but there was a match in the uh, German Cup midweek uh, where Borussia Dortmund played VfL Bochum um, and it was it was I guess noteworthy for this moment so there was a moment in the in the match where we can play some of the video and talk over it a halfway line goal so the keeper comes out I thought I think the keeper does quite well clears it and it's the worst halfway line goal in history so he half volleys it and it trickles trickles this is Emre Chan. Uh, who scored the goal, a man well-known to Premier League fans, left Liverpool in 2018. He had a bit of a failure in Juventus, tough time off the pitch, battled with thyroid cancer as well, but he's currently playing for Borussia Dortmund. This was a goal to give Dortmund the lead. Bochum equalised in the second half, but Dortmund go on to win the match. Um, it kind of got me thinking, Adrian, about the best and worst halfway line goals of all time. The Beckham one, past Neil Sullivan. Naeem from the halfway line. Of course. Winner, he's done it a couple of times. Yeah. 
Um, Rooney does it with such nonchalance. It's just, I think yeah. that's the difference between him and everybody else. It's like, <laughs> I could be just kicking it into the crowd. He, he looks like a man who, at the age of eight, was probably scoring halfway line goals in under 12 games uh, for Everton's underage teams. Uh, the Xabi Alonso one was kind of similar to that in that it, it, it uh, trickled over the line against Newcastle in 2006. Uh, Steve Harper tripping over his laces, mm. uh, famously for that one. Uh, the, the Beckham one in 96 against Wimbledon is probably the most famous one. Kenny Cunningham, of course, on the pitch for Wimbledon that day. Watching go over his head. 100%. Pele did one against Czechoslovakia, I think, back in 1970. But, look, it's one of my favourite things in, in in world football. You know if you score from the halfway line, but it's just like half a metre inside the half. Oh, it, it's it, got to be. It doesn't count, though. What do you mean? Oh, it's not inside the other half. Uh, oh, it's got to be. It annoys me. It has to be inside your own. It has yeah. to be. And uh, it, it changes the, the whole outlook on it as, as well. But that I just wanted to bring people's attention to that because I think I think it's the worst halfway line goal that's ever been scored. That's very harsh on poor Al Emirates. It's still a good goal. He's finished it nicely, but uh, the celebration was quite muted because he was like, how did that go in? Mm. The defender clearly kicks at it and misses it. Doesn't go in. But uh, yeah, that was our, our story from, from Buckham during the week. Good, yeah. We'll next head to uh, Wisconsin, United States of America. Adrian, as I say every week, a lot of stories come out of America for whatever reason. Some batshit crazy stuff comes out of that country, and uh, this is another one. Aaron Rodgers, not the man familiar with, with some batshit crazy concepts, let's be honest. There he is on the screen. Uh, the Green Bay Packers quarterback, he, uh, he's trying to consider his NFL career now, now that the Packers are in their offseason. And do you know how he's going to do it? He's going to undertake a four-day darkness retreat. What's a darkness retreat? Well, I've been Googling darkness retreats, Adrian. Uh, I don't um, know what it is, but I have to say I'm... Uh Intrigued. Yeah, yeah. So there's a photograph on the screen of, of uh, a black screen. Uh, yeah, yeah, a man, a man walking just, into just a black uh, screen frame. For it's, it, it's a stock photograph of a man walking into a dark room. Just in case you didn't know what, it, what that might look like. Um, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> well, here's an image. <laughs> I mean, yeah. look, the around the world production costs aren't yeah. that high, Adrian. You'd be surprised. We, we do to hear. try to use images to support the conversation. We do. So this was one. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers was being asked about his NFL future, and he says, "As uh, I've got a pretty cool opportunity to to do a little self reflection in some isolation, and then after that, I feel like it'll be a lot." Closer to a final final decision he will be in total darkness for four days and four nights you can leave at any point uh, if you wish to do so he says the whole experience can produce hallucinations similar to the psychedelic drug dimethyl tryptamine also known as DMT some people have probably watched Netflix documentaries on, on DMT that the spirit molecule as it's known say, some people will be familiar with <laughs> well, DMT maybe look jump into the YouTube comments oh, isn't it? possibly that's bizarre it is bizarre I, I like the idea of like a little bit of immersion in darkness it sounds really appealing 100% four days I don't you're told to start so I've looked this up you're, you're, you're advised to start with two nights max Right. Um, but he's doing four days and nights. You're past water and food in through like a vent maybe and nobody comes comes into you. You of course can sleep but then you wake up and you're still I in... Could, you could do nothing else but sleep. Like, you, you, you're yeah. not reading. But you can't sleep for 24 hours. Did you say you can't bring anything in with you? No, like you're, you're ah, sitting there. Good. It's total like remote sensory deprivation essentially. That sounds horrible. But apparently uh, it causes hallucinations for some people. Um, he, he's previously discussed using ayahuasca. Um, has Aaron Rodgers which is a psychedelic drink psychedelic drink made from plants in the Amazon in a retreat during an off season so he's he's, he's quite used to doing these random mm. ideas but there's a bit of a leap from that now than like locking yourself in the, in the room for four uh, potentially and I presume you have to like you go and you he probably goes and pays this company like tens of thousands yeah. of dollars to be locked in a dark room like he'd come over to my gaff and I'd put on the I'd put up the black curtains and like, <laughs> I was, I was really slide, slide him in and a couple of glasses of water every now and then I was looking into this myself I, I quite like the idea yeah. like, you, would you, you do can, it? I'd definitely do it for I, four days? I wouldn't do it for four days I'd do it for for, two, for 48 hours are you love an old challenge like that yeah I, do, I, I think I might try it would you? in the next few months I might, I might just for, for a do weekend do you make um, 
documentary about it. Definitely. We could do something. It wouldn't be great, very visually stimulating. Oh, no. I think, well, you could use your supporting graphic there for the documentary. But just to have the, the images of you coming out of the room and, and how what sort of things you might see. He says... After his ayahuasca experience, again, the photograph on the, on, on the screen for those of you just watching. Just in case you're not sure, you're not sure what, what a dark room dark, looks like. Exactly. Oh, yeah. He says after his ayahuasca experience, he says, I think I just fell in love with football a little bit deeper. Again, I, I think a lot of that is work that I've done, done myself. It's been therapy. It's been meditation, eating habits, taking care of myself a little better, being more gentle with myself. But yeah, I was looking up dark retreats in Italy, Guatemala. They're not that expensive. Why do you need to go to Italy or Guatemala to like, lock yourself in a room for four days? A lot of people do. But you see, you need someone to... to you, you can't be getting on to your, your mother or your father. Can you can you drop me on food? Can I there ask every, you a question? Yeah. How much? How much are they? They, they actually weren't as expensive as you as you think. How much? You're, pr- you're probably talking like four or five hundred quid for a two night for a two night. One. Sorry, you can actually do it. No, sorry, I'm wrong. It was 108 euros per night. Yeah, 108 euros, which includes your your bed and your your. I would book you into my gaff. Pick two days next week. Come <laughs> over to my place. I get the black curtains out. I'll I'll slide you in a glass of water every other day. If you're paying, I'll I'll do you a discount. These you rooms, won't even need to pay for the see, flights these, to Guatemala. These rooms don't have uh, curtains. They're like almost basement rooms. The ones. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll create a bit of a basement a cellar or something. No bother. Right, right, right. Okay, well let's do it to I, save you the expense of flying to all the way to Guatemala to lock yourself in a dark. That seems bonkers. I'm all up for a scientific experiment. I'll do it. I will do it genuinely. So uh, that that was a story that that really really took off my brain. I was like, I'm gonna. I'm going to do this. Yeah, Do- the difficulty with making a documentary would be having the electronic equipment and turning it on and the light that would come from that. But you could record yourself. People have talked about doing it and, and, and reaching a point where they, they were panicking and they wanted to get out. But then if you ju- like a lot of people, what they do is hug themselves oh, and get present in the moment and get through that little dark feeling and then you feel even better for, for it. I'm all for like being in touch with yourself, but that sounds just extreme. It does. Um, some people do it in couples. A lot of people do it solo. And, and look, I think to get the full effects, Aaron Rodgers is going to do it solo. So we'll see how that works out. Final story, Adrian. Yeah. We're not heading too we'll far. We have to wrap quickly. So okay. Around the world. Rattle through. To, to the United Kingdom, this was a research into 2,000 people and their sport watching habits. Two in five sport fans admit they are superstitious and have shared top rituals. I don't know if you have superstitions watching the Ireland-France game tomorrow, for example. But cheese board. So, cheese board. <laughs> and the, uh, the Merlot, of course. Some people kiss the badge or the emblem of your team before a game, refusing to wash for the duration of a tournament. You can see these, some, some, some of these up on screen. Sitting in the same lucky spot on your couch to watch from home. Avoiding watching the match with unlucky people, mm-hmm. or people who um, you, you know, generally have, have brought about bad results. Uh, refusing to wash your lucky jersey. Putting on specific lucky pairs of socks. Eating the same pre-match meal. Um a specific chant or wearing your lucky number I don't know if people watching have their own little routines or whatever for watching matches but let, me, let us know in the comments because it's an interesting talking point I think and something we could follow on uh, I probably I probably wear the same jersey watching Man United matches or Republic of Ireland matches uh, but apart from that I don't really no. I wouldn't really consider it like I walked under a ladder yesterday outside the office and I was like didn't you need think- to go and lock yourself in a dark room for four days after that <laughs> exactly yeah didn't think twice about it but yeah let us know that well, I've, I'm all for it. This item, Shane, it's the second week runner that I've been involved in. It's not I've, bad. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, we're getting there. I'm, I, I loved it. Very good. <laughs> that was this week's Around the World. <laughs> Jeez, that was like doomsday stuff. Up next, we got the former Liverpool defender, England international Jilly Flaherty. First of all, Shabana Hearn and uh, chatting with Nathan on the show last night about uh, the reason behind Katie McCabe's recent omission from the Arsenal eleven. So what you're saying there is that actually she's at Arsenal, the window is shut, she's there and there was no fallout from that, she just wasn't feeling great. No, no, it's not a conversation I believe her and her manager had had. Um, Of course there's going to be interest in players like Katie. Um, You know, she's one of the best left backs in the league. You know, you can only see why teams would want to strengthen and that's the thing, it's a discussion I've been having over the last 
couple of weeks now, Nathan, is that in women's football, we we don't pinch big players from rival teams. We don't You don't see it often, but actually the game's only going one way. You're going to want to strengthen and take the best players if you can afford them. Um, and I, I, I see moves more, more moves like that happening in the future. Um, and yeah, I mean, Katie, Katie's working her socks off as always um, at Arsenal, and and we'll see what's to come in the future. But um, yeah, she she was on the bench I think last week because she had a chest infection, so she wasn't in training all week. Yeah, two minutes past nine on OTB AM this morning on this Friday morning. Delighted to welcome the former Liverpool and England defender, Julie uh, Flaherty, to the show. Good morning, Julie. How are things? Good morning. I'm good, thank you. How are yourselves? Very good. Keeping well, thanks. We were just listening to, to Shabana Hearn there talking about uh, the reasoning behind Katie McCabe's recent omission from, from the Arsenal eleven. I guess over here, it being a World Cup year, we were all getting a little bit concerned that she wasn't maybe getting the game time uh, that uh, that she wanted and I guess we wanted to see her playing. But um, things things seem to be okay and, and it'd be interesting to see if she starts this weekend. Yeah, I mean, obviously she... Um she played uh, the other night um, in the, the Conti Cup semi-final mm. against Man City. Um, she didn't seem to be a player who was lacking any confidence or was affected by anything that had gone on um, the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, I mean, obviously for Ireland, she's a huge player. She's your captain. Do you know what I mean? She's she's a big influence on the girls and you're going to want her to be going into that World Cup fit and, and uh, match ready. But I can't see her not playing a lot for Arsenal between now and then. Uh, you were chatting to us about, a bit about it last week, Gillian, of course. I, from what you know, she's obviously, as you say, been back in the team after a bench. Shane says chest infection uh, seems to have been the reason behind it. Is everybody, like, does everybody just move on from a situation like that? You've you've made that move between those two clubs. Is that, everybody just move on from it? Everybody's fine. Uh, it happened. It's over. And on we go. Yeah, well, I don't think there's much else really that you can do, you know. She's obviously an Arsenal player. She's still got 18 months left on her contract, you know. So it's not like she's... It's a different situation to Alessia Russo one because obviously in six months' time, Alessia's going to be out of contract and she's going to be technically a free agent. So that's a completely different situation compared to KE, who obviously has got a a long-term deal with Arsenal. But yeah, the, the window's shut now. No one can move. No one can come in. So it's about getting your head down now and focusing and, and working hard. Arsenal obviously into the, the Continental Cup final. Obviously, they're still trying to chase the league um, and Champions League spots. So there's still a lot for them to play for and obviously to achieve. So and knowing Katie, she's a professional and she's going to have a professional head on and be focused on the job with Arsenal. Will it happen in the next window? Obviously, the next window is a bit more exciting because obviously it's a longer window and it's obviously the end of the season. I don't think anything would happen before the World Cup. I think if it, unless it was early doors and it was done. But I think once the World Cup prep starts, I think players will ultimately be focusing on that. So it potentially could happen afterwards. But again, she's still got a year left of her contract. So it's a bit easier to get out of that than having 18 months. But obviously, um, it's still Arsenal still have the control because she's under contract with them. Uh, Julie, Sam Kerr can't stop scoring goals. I mean, last night was was ridiculous again. As a, as a former centre-half yourself, how do you stop someone like that who is just clearly in imperious form? you just got to try and climb all over her, really, <laughs> and uh, make it as difficult as you can for her. I mean, last night, obviously, watching the game, I mean, she's in fantastic form. And when I watch Chelsea, I just feel like there's not a team that can get near them in the league in regards to the quality they have, um, the depth of their squad, and the players they can bring on and take off. And obviously, to finish the game 7-0, like... I think 
West Ham obviously went into the game, I think, confident, like they should have obviously getting a draw against Arsenal the weekend. But I just feel like they probably went to try and do the same game plan against Chelsea and Chelsea was just finding the gaps and the spaces and um, was putting their way. But with Sam Kerr, you just, uh, quite a lot of the goals scored last night, no one was nearer mm. defender-wise. Um, you know, you've got to get around her, you've got to make it as difficult as you can, as you can for her and not give her a, a free shot on goal. Yeah, and it's made for obviously an intriguing uh, League Cup final now next month as well, the County Cup. And um, Chelsea thumping West Ham last night, uh, Arsenal in the final, who had beaten City the previous night. It's absolutely set up, and we're obsessed obviously with Katie here, but it's set up for a Katie McCabe wonder goal in the 90th minute to win it. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's going to be a huge final. Obviously, they're. At the time the whole Continental Cup's been running, there's only been three teams who've won it, which has been Chelsea, Arsenal and uh, Man City. So, obviously, Chelsea and Arsenal being in it, um, it's going to be a huge game. But obviously, we're obviously supporting the Irish and hoping that Katie McCabe um, yeah, can get a nice one, the goal left foot, top lins. Um, it's in terms of City Arsenal obviously back at it in the WSL tomorrow lunchtime is the league momentum with City a little bit or you know obviously Arsenal struggling a little bit the last couple of games to get the score sheet how do you see that one playing out yeah well obviously looking at the table um, Arsenal and City are, are drawing on points um, at the moment obviously Arsenal do have a game in hand on City it's, it's a game tomorrow that neither team really can afford to lose Um if obviously I think for City, the the way that obviously their season's panned out, obviously they're coming back into it now, but obviously they've had it difficult. Um, but I, for me, I think the Chelsea is the team to beat this year. Um, obviously sitting sitting top of the league, Man United dropped points. Obviously Arsenal dropped points last weekend, so it's a game that neither team is going to want to drop points in. Um, but I think for Arsenal, obviously they had a great reaction obviously a midweek against City. So they're sort of going into that game one up on City because both teams started pretty strongly in that semi-final. Um, and again, it's, it's a huge three points up for grabs. Mm. Well, how impressed have you been by City this season in the sense that, like, obviously all the big names that they lost in the summer and they've sort of slowly rebuilt and we mentioned a little bit about the momentum in the league at least anyway, quietly sort of uh, rebuilding. Uh, do you see them being a, a threat to Chelsea or no? I, I don't see him. I don't see him being a threat to Chelsea in the sense of I think Chelsea have just got a bigger squad. I think when you look at Man City, um, their their starting eleven is fantastic, and you're looking at their front three with Chloe Kelly, Bunny Shaw, and Lauren Hemp. Like that's a front three that will scare any defense. But I just feel like if anything happens injury wise to those front three, the players they've got in. I just don't think are at the level of the other players that are there or that the players that uh, Chelsea can bring off the bench. You know, I think it's I think they've they've done really well because the players that they've lost have been huge English talent as well that know the league. Um, and I think for international players coming in, it's always difficult to get used to the WSL. If you ask any of them, they say that it takes them maybe six to twelve months just to get used to the tempo, the speed, the aggressiveness as well of our league. Like. Our league is such a physically tough league. Um, and some of these players have come from Spain, for example, where they can just do ticky-tacky football around everybody and not get smashed behind or not get clumped when they're on the ball. And um, it does take them a while to get used to it. But I feel for them, City, they're obviously, I think their aim will be to obviously the Continental Cup final again. Um, I'm not Continental Cup final, sorry, the FA Cup will be a, a chance for them to progress in that. 
But then also for them, I think getting into that Champions League spot, obviously we know there's only three Champions League spots available. Man United are up there in second at the moment, 29 points. Um, so one of those big four teams are going to be missing out on the Champions League spot this year. If you're to look at it for some of the results last weekend, Julie, from a, from a neutral perspective, United dropping points against Everton with a draw and, and Arsenal likewise against West Ham. It's a good sign for the competitiveness of the league, at least. You even look back to the start of the season, the first game, Aston Villa and Liverpool uh, getting results against Man City and Chelsea. It's, I guess it's good to see results like that from a competitive point of view. Yeah, massively. And I think there's, there's always talk in our league of the difference between, say, the top four and the rest of them. Mm. You know, like it's in regards to finances and that. And you do, like, for example, last night, the 7-0. Like, that's never nice to see for our league because... Automatically, people will go, oh, look at that league. It's rubbish. You've got the top three teams, whatever. You've got a team like Dan or there's such a big gulf. And in regard to finances, yeah, there is a gulf. Like, obviously, that's, that's natural. But at the same time, with our league, it is unpredictable in that sense. You know, there's teams that you could go in and go, well, do you know what? That team's going to absolutely do that team over. You look at it even last season, Chelsea lost to Reading, you know. Arsenal lost to Birmingham. So there's going to be games where you're going to go, no, I really fancy that team to go and get a result. And it's, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a game of football. But it's some people, some teams, that's their cup final. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So for us, for example, to start the season, us against Chelsea, people were thinking that Liverpool's going to get rolled over. They've just been promoted to the WSL. It's going to be a high-scoring uh, game. And it's com- the complete opposite, and we win 2-1. So I think that's the great thing about our league, is that as much as you have got the top three, top four... Ultimately, it's still a game of football at the end of the day. Tottenham and uh, Manchester United do battle on, uh, I think it's Sunday afternoon as well, Julie. Like Spurs in a bit of free fall, but they, like they were they were reasonably good in in the defeat by all accounts to Chelsea last weekend. Alessio Russo back in the pitch for United after the the transfer uh, rumours, I guess. And um, how do you see this game going? United, of course, as you say, up there and, and and pushing for those European spots, if not more. Yeah, I mean, I think it's difficult. I think United are going to know that they're going to need the win. Um, I don't. They know they're not going to be able to afford to drop more points, especially in the position that they're in. And I also think there is pressure on Spurs because of the money that they've spent. Um, they're currently sitting in ninth in the table, you know. Um, so I think for them, they're going to want to see a reaction. Obviously, they're at home. Um, they're going to they're going to be up for it, you know. And I think even if you're looking at the teams on paper, you I don't think you'd be looking at a place uh, position nine versus second place in the league like I don't think you would see that when you mm. looked at it I just think for me Tottenham they've got a lot of it going forward obviously with Beth England um, with Ibabuchi coming in but for me it's more the defensive side of it I feel like Tottenham need to be a lot more tougher to break down defensively um, some of the defending against Chelsea I don't believe was good enough and I just think for that, you could have all the players in the world scoring the goals for you. But if you're not that competitive or strong in the defence, then ultimately it don't make no difference. Because if you've got a, if you can know somebody, you've got to score two and three, but you're conceding three or four at the other end, um, it's sort of like a catch-22 situation. But for me, I think both teams will be looking for a reaction um, from their, their last games.
Uh, just two for me, Jilly, to wrap. First of all, you mentioned Chloe Kelly earlier, Kelly earlier on. There's always an intrigue when teams meet each other again within a couple of days, albeit in different competition. But um, I watched some of the clips on social last night and herself and Katie had a proper good ding-dong. And Katie and the referee had a couple of good ding-dongs as well. What um, The Arsenal manager had name-checked her as well during the week as obviously that wide sort of one-on-one threat. They'd managed to snuff her out a fair bit last night through Katie. Do you expect a repeat of that or... Does the evidence of the game last night suggest that the City can go back to the drawing board and find some uh, way to make her more, uh, to bring her into the game a bit more? Yeah, I think it's always difficult when you play a team twice in the same week because obviously it's sort of like, do you do, do you go all guns blazing and give mm. sort of one thing to one game and not to the other? Or do you then change it up and mix it up for the next game? Um, I think the beauty of it is that both teams do have changes that they can make um, to both to both teams to to mix it up. Um, but yeah, I feel like, obviously, as much as that is a semi-final, they're going into another game on the weekend, which is technically like another semi-final because they're both going to want the points. Um, so hopefully it's not a stalemate and it's not a nil-nil and hopefully there will be there will be a winner at the end of it. But yeah, I think it's going to be a different, it's going to be another level, you know, because obviously because of the game, everyone knows the the league and, and they're, they're both competitive teams who are going to, going to pick up the three points too. And who will? Oh, I've got to say Arsenal, and I? Talking <laughs> on this radio <laughs> with Katie McKay. But no, I think, I think obviously Arsenal are going into the game with the upper hand because obviously they won, they won the other night. Um, so if you're looking at the mental side of it, they are one up. Um, but again, it's a, it's another game and it's a three points up for grabs. So City are obviously at home and it's a difficult place, place to go to as well. Um, so yeah obviously we'll be we'll hopefully be open for Arsenal though Can I just ask you as well the Super League stuff obviously came back on the radar I don't know if you paid much attention to that over the last 24 or 48 hours but it's come back on the radar again um, and just to recap for anybody who hasn't paid any attention to it up to this point uh, they're back promising great things since the last time they promised great things uh, this time it's open competition uh, qualification through success in the pitch rather than the bank balance which it was before more clubs uh, 60 to 80 uh, could enter they say and still play domestically promotion relegation uh, solidarity payments which is an incredible concept uh, for the clubs outside the European Super League um, and growing the women's game is how it's um, worded uh, the president of La Liga Javier Tebas said that the ESL was the wolf uh, from the Little Red Riding Hood story. Uh, growing the women's game is always a phrase that I feel sort of gets tagged on to the end of a meeting where everybody thinks, well, we must do something about this. What will we do? Well, as a as a placeholder, we'll say we'll grow the women's game. What's your sense of, of, of it in terms of, yeah, the growth of the women's game? I, just, I think we have to look after it, you know, and I don't think it should just be like a sort of, like you said, a tick box sort of an end of oh, at the end of a meeting, oh, yeah, let's make sure that we obviously we focus on obviously on the women's game. I know there's a lot, obviously, at the moment in regards to the World Cup because FIFA have decided to go with Visit Saudi as the, the, the main sponsors where a lot of players in the Women's World Cup wouldn't be accepted out there. Um, so that's obviously another talking point at the moment. A lot of a lot of clubs are coming out about that. But, yeah, ultimately, you, you don't just want people to see the women's game as sort of let's just sort of inject a load of cash into it, but not look after it. I think that's what's been great about the WSL is I think that the FA have put a lot of money into it, um, but made sure that it's nurtured, you know, not just chuck loads of money. You can see from the NWSL, the first time it got set up, when it ended up folding and teams folded because there was loads of money put into it, but it just weren't looked after properly. And I think for me, if we can look at more 
of countries having their own professional women's leagues first and foremost. You know, that would be, I think, a, a, a priority. Is obviously, we, we've got one, obviously, Spain putting more money into it, making all the teams looked after. France having more than just two teams really competing for it. Um, but I think let's focus on our own first and grow it. And then hopefully, five, ten years' time, we'll be looking at it in a completely different picture. Yeah, shiny new things sometimes are uh, are to be uh, dealt with suspiciously. I think that might be the uh, appropriate <laughs> case here. Jilly, uh, pleasure. Thanks a million. No worries. See you later. Thanks a lot, Jilly Flaherty, on the line there, looking ahead to uh, the weekend's action. It is gone at quarter past nine. It's Friday morning. Here's what's uh, coming up at OTB Sports Radio for you this morning from uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, this morning is 11 o'clock. Is going to be the football kickoff, half 10, 11 o'clock. Stay tuned a little bit later on. We'll be. Half eleven this morning. Wow, really out of uh, out of kilter. Half eleven the football kickoff for you this morning. Looking ahead at the weekend's Premier League action. Randy Delaney is subject to voting gold from one at three o'clock. Waterford is the Mount Rushmore today. Dubs against Kerry in oh one is at four o'clock the classic game club and then Catherine Switzer in conversation with OTB from uh, six you can follow OTB across all of our social channels uh, and subscribe to the OTB podcast network for all the best and latest uh, sports content a reminder as well of course that you're watching OTB AM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day up next it is the Friday Fire Pit what is it called Friday Fire Pit Friday Fire Pit so we just put a bit more thought into dominating miserable the comments box this morning miserable <laughs> you gotta call it like it is it's Friday like what the Friday Fire Pit tell it like it is there's a lot of people that have really enjoyed the chat at the top of the show but uh, unplugged especially Cameron Cullum uh, hello hello um, really enjoyed the chat at the top of the show about the unplugged stuff yeah in I fact a lot of people that were watching Cameron sort of disappeared off to into her uh, unplugged uh, wormhole. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Never to be seen again. I think it's the Nirvana and the Stone Temple Pilots ones for me. They're yeah. the best ones. You'd have to have something about left field. Yeah, well, the Nirvana. I think the Nirvana unplugged is one of the best live albums of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Exceptional. You know, he was supposed to do an encore, but it was such a good performance. He was like, "I have no more left to give." He did a George Costanza and said, "That's it. That's it. I'm not <laughs> oh, here. All right." <laughs> what, was the, what was the last song in his set? Uh, where did you sleep last night? <sighs> Dubai Hill. Straight in there with knowledge. Mm. That's great. I have it on vinyl and it is class. I knew you'd be a vinyl man. Jojo, yeah. so good, he says. Yeah. They're all getting involved here. It's, um, it's the hipster. You're all hipsters. But I'm, I'm, all, I'm here for it. What, what's hipster about what? Like, well, have, you, have you ever heard Nirvana? Vinyl. Vinyl. Vinyl's hipster. <laughs> you have you? Have I heard of her, ever heard of Nirvana? No, have you listened to it? Have you listened to it? I've listened. Of course I've listened to it. Mm. I have yeah, yeah. to say, the best of Nirvana. <laughs> what? <laughs> Needless to say, I had the last laugh. <laughs> right. It's the fire pit. It is, yeah. We have some topics. Oh. There's a lot of topics during the round gesture as to what we might actually discuss. So Roasting, you're in charge. Uh, roasting hot. Honestly, roasting hot topics. smouldering from last week as well. Ooh. We had to come in on Tuesday and put it out. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. Put the SPF on, yeah, folks. Yeah. AB threw in some yesterday in our group chat. And there's some great topics there. And as the four of you will see, or the three of you will see, and including me, there are topics there in front of you. Okay. I want to start with this, though. And let's be honest about this, right? Please. The sporting event at which you cried. One example of sadness, one example of pure joy. In no particular order. Shout it out there. No need for the hands in the What buzzers. if you've never cried? Well, have you, have you never that, cried at sport? That's a more interesting oh, okay, topic yeah. because it says a lot about you. Mm. Are you talking about like as a kid or you know? could be any time? Like, do you know what that is? That's repressed anytime. Irish generational Catholic guilt trauma, or it's just like that's what that I'm is. able to compartmentalize my 
being extremely disappointed. We should about all something. cry. We should all or cry. Extremely happy about something. Speaking without of that, having to cry. ayahuasca retreats and DMT spirit <laughs> molecule, we should all go off and I'm not I'm not <laughs> suggesting engage in illicit activities, but go off and get in touch with your spiritual side and, and let it's it. Ayahuasca. Well, know, a yeah. part of the process to ayahuasca apparently is it, apparently yeah. is getting sick, puking out, yeah, and then and then it's working. Yeah, I think crying is is a, is a part of it too. Certainly for it it, it hits is different it, people differently. Is it illicit slash illegal? There's a clap. I think it's. <laughs> I thought it was a bit yeah, of interference. I, there, are, like, there are certain areas, there are certain parts of the world that you can have it, but uh, I think mm. generally it's. Uh, I don't know if it's illegal, but I would say in this country it's illegal. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, Come on now. In here, here it's illegal. I'm, I'm, I have, I'm going to say I haven't cried at sport. That's ridiculous. Think about it now. Why is that? Think the most sport out of all of us, given mm. your years. Because you're because older. I did by default. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you've never. Have you been emotional? Oh yeah, God, oh, I'm emotional. I'm emotional every time I watch sport that I'm that I, of a team that I'm interested in. You're an emotional person. Not as, not especially, but like I'm not like I'm not uh, discouraging people in touch with their emotions and if people want to cry away. You go like I'm not sort of. Um, See, there's a link between people who aren't patriotic and people who don't cry. I'd say. Yeah. Well, you know? Give us an example of somewhere you were. I, I, yeah. Probably the most emotional I was uh, was the Leinster final 2004 Westmeath. Okay, we'll thought you were going to we'll say Kim McCall. Go on. Oh, look at I. You know my um, attachment there. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was exceptional. You know, and I was like um, 2004. You don't want to cry. I would, like, like, no, it was just no. It was just joyous. I didn't feel like I wanted to sit down and cry. I just felt delighted. Not like I want to start crying delighted. Yeah. Just this is amazing. We ran it. It was the time where it was like you know the Plan B used to flash up at Crow Park. Plan B, Plan B. Mm-hmm. As all the Westmead fans are onto the pitch, and you were seeing neighbours from home you haven't seen from years. I would have known a load of lads on the team, and you were meeting them, and it was just it was incredible. I wouldn't have felt like crying, but I, I don't judge anybody who would feel as if that was a recourse would you, would you cry during movies then no is it just generally speaking yeah I found definitely since having kids there's there's stuff that I find hard to deal with I wouldn't be sitting there in floods of tears but I would regularly have a have a uh, there would be a tear no yeah. question Frozen 2 hits hard So Frozen 2 hits hard yeah. just yeah just that sort of stuff yeah uh, we have Not a few examples coming in I have a text from an anonymous uh, fan of the show let's yeah. call him or Larmer. Yeah, yeah. Or Rory L. And uh, he says uh, Shane cried in 1993 when United won the league first. But uh, that's impossible, is it? Well, I was given your age. <laughs> I was born in September 93. So technically, uh, yes, impossible. I was in the womb. Um, I would say uh, the two times, <laughs> scurrilous. I, I would actually say I did cry. I cried in 2008 when, when the, the moment I cried was John Terry slipping from happiness. Because I was like, oh, there's a chance. And then when Van der Sar saved the, the Anelka penalty to win the Champions League, I full-on burst. And I was actually I was lo- looking at myself in the mirror going, what is what wrong with you? I would have been 15 or 16. Uh-huh. And I, I probably cried as well. 2013, there was, a, there was a tear in my eye. Ulster final behind the goals. Uh, Monitor 12 points to 7 up against Donegal. <clears throat> they haven't won an Ulster title in 25 years. And Tommy Freeman comes off the bench, his last season at Monaghan, kicks the last point and gives up. This to the to the stands, thirteen points to seven, a six point win over the All Ireland champions Donegal, and it, it, everyone in Monaghan was hugging that day, mm. and it was just a sunny day. There was a country music festival in Mon- in Monaghan town that weekend. Everyone was buzzing, um, loaded as well, drunk, and uh, I I definitely had a tear in my eye for that one. They're the only two examples I can think of where I cried of happiness in my life. Mm. Uh, I don't think I cried in a, neg- in a negative sense. Monaghan losing to Tyrone in the 2018 All-Ireland semi-final was, I was very sad mm. but I don't think I cried 
but certainly I, I'm not afraid to, to let it no, out. Oh, absolutely. Do, do defeats generate more anger than sadness? Because you're pissed off. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. I can't. I, I, the tears. I find the tears hard come by I, for do, sadness. Do you find this I, with defeats for teams that I'm very passionate about? I find that like the result means so much. Like let's say it depends on the nature of defeat. If it, like let's say it happens late in the game and you're so disappointed by it, right? And you're just like devastated by it. Mm. But then you just sort of say to yourself. Uh, that just didn't matter. Did, you know, like, yeah, yeah. sport doesn't matter. This game doesn't matter. It, uh, you know, you just try and... Ra- I find... I've, I try to rationalise slash compartmentalise it really mm, quickly. i found it's either angered or, or disgust. Mm. Disgust at how... <laughs> disgust. The way the game went. Especially Strong towards emotion. maybe officials. Um, but uh, sadness is... Yeah, it's rare that I'd cry at a game where I felt very sad about the result. Well, I know a male supporter of Crow Park 2017 who couldn't contain the despair at the end. Nathan? No, no, no. But I, I was talking Cameron. to a friend of mine. No, but that's what I was, I was getting there, you know. Were you at any, were you at any of those finals? Couldn't bear See, I think if you were there, like, it's so visceral. Yeah. When it's thrown away from me at the very last minute. too close. But you see, I, when, when, when Wilson is floating off in Castaway, every time, like clockwork, I'll, I'll start. I'll start yeah. Well, it, it'd be either Wilson or Malachi uh, O'Rourke, I better get the right name. But you know, there's moments. Uh, I'm not. I, certainly, I've cried in cinemas even recently. To know, like, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. you're in the dark, so you're safe enough. It's a little the safe dark space. Room. Dark room. Yeah. Yeah. Darkness. What about you, 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 um, Katie Taylor, London 2012. Oh, cracker, I was at you were at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And th- that but again, no, but, but like, it's not. You see, you're trying to sort of suggest that I have to cry about these things. No, well, I'm well, just interested that you definitely have. But, but there's a difference between not. You're like, it's not like either you burst out crying or you're not emotional at all. But you know, with the only Irish flag, when the Irish flag is being hoisted up and the national anthem, (laughs) even for a planter like you, would you you not start crying? (laughs) Like, that's an emotion. No, no, no. But but, sure, given the context we had last week, why would I be crying at that? With the the Irish flag being hoisted up at the Olympics and the national anthem going off? Given the conversation we had last week. Yeah, but surely that's an extra special anthem moment. I I think we have to be. That's an excellent I think we have to give Adrian the benefit of the doubt. Otherwise, we're going into scenarios where it's all right, so, like, you know, when people try to test how vegan you are? And they're like, okay, if I had a gun to your dog's head, would you... No, me? but that's not that. That's not you the know? anthem being played before a match, a but pointless you, match. You, that's you actually, were so disgusted by my comments last week when we went out into the office afterwards, you were asking various people, and are you patriotic? Yeah. And there was a load of people who were like, no, actually, <laughs> I, wouldn't I wouldn't say a load. I wouldn't be. Wouldn't there, was, a load. there was a couple of people that you'd, you'd have, <clears> you know, you would, put, you would put respect in their opinion who were like, Arthur, who was like, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not, uh, that wouldn't be for me. I'm was not, Will another one? Um, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm but see that's yeah. different the, the, the flag being hoisted because an Irish person's won an Olympic gold medal at London but, 2012 but, but that's different it's, it's not that it's not nice but if I'm not that way inclined then I'm hardly going to start crying over it you're at it like the victory, the, victory meant, the victory was the one that for me that was like whoa Jesus, that, that moment for that? me the, I wasn't even there but the anthem for me when, when that was being I know played. but you're a, as much as I'm a planter you're a, you're I'm a big, glad old, you, big see, old nationalist the first step's admitting it yeah. you know yeah. Freddie Harrington there that, that, that got me too like that was well, yes you're huh? you I'll go last Cameron give, you, give us examples oh uh, of joy uh, Grand Slam 2009 really sadness yeah. either well the two times I can really remember are, uh, New Zealand 2013 and losing the schools cup in 2012 you lost schools cup we were watching I was in first year and it was you weren't even on the, on the pitch like but we were in the stand and it was like what school is it uh, the grammar against uh, Robbie Henshaw's Marist. Ah, oh, go on, the Marist. Yeah, I'd have been um, emotional about that myself. Was, no, uh, yeah, because re- we really got to know the six years well. That Jack Carty playing for that team as well. I think he was yeah, in your head. Oh, okay. Um, 
but they had a great team, Maris. But we had a really good team. <laughs> well, it was really close. I feel like crying now as yeah, yeah. counting it. Do you really? So that, was, that, that, that hit me hard. Have a go, Adrian. Go on. That was yeah. a hard. Let it out. Have a cry. Let it out. Just force it. I feel like the fireside or the fire pit is becoming. Let's hear what Adrian has to say and then offer and then, and then like quite easy and then like <laughs> just tell him he's not entitled to his opinion yeah yeah it's an opinion it's just wrong opinion you know it's very um, are you hungry today Adrian uh, not really why what's wrong yeah. with you people yeah. are hungry how <laughs> can you not be starving come on the interstellar comment there by the way interstellar where he meets his daughter at the end of the, the movie every, day, every time uh, Owen Bell has commented it I cry for that consistently where he's gone he's basically met his daughter and his daughter is way older than him because of the home time, told time travel thing mm. ah here I feel like crying now. His yeah. daughter's older than him. His daughter's older than him at the end of the movie. She's on her deathbed dying and he's, Matthew McConaughey, his character is still in his 30s or 40s because time moves in a different sense when you've uh, travelled at the... So we're travelling towards 10 o'clock here. Yeah, and that's a true story. Yeah. The only team you could possibly ever cry about would be United. No. That's, that, that's the team you feel most passionate Amanda. about. Please hold. Oh, I feel... No, I have two. Am I right about the latter point though? Satellite taxis. No. Oh, really? Saturday Taxis FC. I wasn't there. there I, was, I actually missed one of the finals. That was gut wrenching. Is there a team that you feel more passionately about than United? Ireland. Well, in any sport. Outside yeah. of that, um, I've two. Oh yeah. Hey. Oh, Corn even needs to switch chairs in a one win ah. final. Start to the fifth yeah. set. You cried. <laughs> what were you crying about there? I really wanted him to win so much. What age were you? Twelve. Joe, I can hear Jojo laughing from here. I was. 12 mm. yeah I was 12 Fair enough. good age yeah. for an old tear you're going great age for crying puberty like great age for, great age for crying and then the next time I cried was a year later the 0102 season was big for my crying your voice I'd say your parents what were looking it? at you at the quiz, stage going, yeah. quiz question yeah. what did I cry over in a sporting sense in the summer of 2002 oh well oh yeah alright Geiska's penalty oh. Geiska Mendieta what you going to say a certain man leaving a certain island Oh, that's a good point, Chen. Yeah. No, because that. Do you know why? That wasn't my one moment. Although uh, apparently Adrian there was Barry's people. Goal. Huh? In that's 2002. Right. Adrian Barry's goal. In 2002. Zealand, 2002 yeah. I uh, was that all too the same year? Yeah. Uh, you were off gallivanting. They're very different emotional states that yeah. we were in, and places in our lives, I suppose. But yeah. Mendy had his penalty because it was so agonising that Shea Given nearly saved it with his leg, mm. and I burst into tears at that because I really thought that they Ireland yeah. could have done something at that World Cup. I, it feels burst like an unusual conversation in that, like you know, you know, we can't be endorsing each other's. It's like, well done for crying, or oh, that's okay. Uh, no, that I'm was okay that you cried there, but you, that was not okay. It's good to open up. You cry whenever you want. But it was just so interesting that the very first thing you said was like, oh, I've never cried. Yeah, As if it was a defence mechanism. No, no, it's, you see, you took it up that way. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I'm just giving you a statement of fact. But what if it's true? What, what, what do you want me to say? Do you want me to make something up for you? This sounds like when Matt Damon starts crying in... Uh, Goodwill hunting. But I just don't understand. Oh, what, that's what Cameron. Oh, Cameron so, he's so defensive there. <laughs> that is deep, not though. Cameron is the reasonable, oh, God, that's reasonable person in the room. Do you know that again? What am I supposed to do here if I've never cried at sport? I don't know. I what think, am I, uh, what, what am I, how am I supposed to package this for him that he's going to be Green Mile? Gonna, I, oh, when he's. I when think John Claffey's being. Sometimes there's. Is John Claffey? Is he like the Mayo version John of Coffey. John Claffey? John Claffey. John Claffey's one of our commenters. He's like the Terman Second version of. John Claffey's a commenter. John Coffey. John Coffey. Don't turn the lights out on me, boss. to John T. John Claffey. There needs to be a remake there. All right. We'll do one more. We'll do one more. More. I've right. loads here. I'm going to do one, right? I'm going to do one. Do the LeBron one. Yeah, I'm going to do that. So, Katie Taylor. <laughs> no, yeah. Right. Uh, LeBron, LeBron, LeBron camera phone. 
crying out. Somebody in the mail has an article about it this morning, and everybody's been giving voice to this thing. The famous photographs that everybody has seen now of LeBron taking the history <laughs> shot, mm. and everybody in the crowd with the phones out, apart from the old guy from Nike, Nike in Phil front, Knight. sort of. Who you and Nike I both thought sort of yeah. sleep in the chair. Phil Knight. Who you and I both thought was Larry David. <laughs> yeah, well, side. you did. Um, and you. So yeah, I think like there's been, I would say, various degrees of. Uh, outrage yeah. about the people taking the photographs. Leave them alone. Like, they've paid their money, they've given their time to go in and watch the game. If they want to get the phone out and take a photograph, let them... It's a history shot. It's not like yeah. some little moment in a game where, like, you know, you end up videoing the whole thing and, like, you're sitting up, standing up and annoying people. Everybody's on their feet then. Everybody knows intrinsically what's about to happen here. LeBron has thought this thing out in his head. When I get the moment, how am I going to jump? What exact stance am I going to have? It's going to be a famous photograph that's going to live for all time. What boots am I going to wear? How am I going to react to it? They'd obviously all agreed that they were going to stop afterwards. Everybody in the room... That night was there for that moment. If I was at the game, I would have had my phone out. Everybody who goes to it is going to have their phone out. Leave them alone. Let them make their own decisions about whether they want to film it or not. With all due respect, that's a load of bollocks. Uh Uh-oh. That is a load of crap. I know, but give give us some Go to a sporting event to watch it. No, that's With your eyes. Sorry, no, but like... Your 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 little video, and it's the same for people at gigs. Your little video on your crappy little phone is not going to be better than the cameras from multinational media organisations that are dotted around the either the basketball court or the three arena or wherever you're going to the gig. There's no point. Have you ever taken a video at a sporting event and spent ages looking back over, going, "Geez, that yeah, that's a great video." I actually have. Have you though? Yeah, the school's yeah, cup yeah, final. Yeah. Well, no. Last year, I, I've brought it up a few times this week. Uh, La Marseillaise in Stade de France in Paris. France Ireland last year the anthem was riveting yeah absolutely class and I watch it okay the the game hasn't started though yet that's fine yeah the sporting event hasn't actually taken place yet you're you're filming an anthem the the kickoff hasn't happened that's grand but when the game's actually on would you ever just feckin' watch no but you're not taking you're not taking the video to sit back and like pour over it like you would an old photo album you're taking the video to drop it into your whatsapp mates uh, group with your mates and go look what I I was just at LeBron. No one's going this thing to, is unreal. No Take a selfie after the match or before the match. I was here. There you go. Yeah, yeah proof. That's, that's how you like. As long as it's not impeding my actual experience of the game, so what? As long as I don't see a constant flash from across the other side of the pitch, then it's fine. But like, they're not going to Andy Farrell the next day and say, "Here, do you want a bit of video analysis I got on my crappy little Nokia?" Can I make one point? Because the people like Shane who shake their fists at the sky and it's say, not that. "It's that not old man yells at cloud." Absolutely. It's not old man that. Yells it's at not. No, the, people, the, people, the people who do that always say, this is the point they always make, just watch the game. If I'm at a game and I've got my phone out and I'm taking a bit of video of what's going on, I'm absolutely looking at the game. I'm not like staring at my phone. I've got my video going and I'm looking at the game. That is possible. Ah, uh, I don't know. Like, but for how long? Like, what sort of video are people going to get at that, at that LeBron moment? Oh, look at me. I was there. It, it just Exactly. Pic- Shane, people on Twitter, right, yeah. are posting videos and photographs of their cats doing handstands night, noon and morning. I don't give a shite about that stuff. Yeah. If you're going to go to see LeBron look take the, the history shot, Look at the state of that had, photograph. If you were at that game and you didn't take a video, I would be... And post it on Twitter. I'd be like, Cameron, what were you doing? Were you even at the thing? Yeah, absolutely. Ah, nah, lads, live in the moment. Life's too short. No. You've got to just live in the but moment. You can't tell me that you'd that. go to that and not take a phone. I, w- no, I-, I would certainly take a video before the game or after the game. I, would be, I'd let people- I wouldn't take it during that exact moment where I'm like, history's about to happen here. I better beck and take my phone out. 
You, no way. Are you being silent what kind because of, you're like, not Well, I'm just trying to study the picture. There's a risk that you might miss it. Man Slavin, welcome to the party. Well, you see all the clips of Tiger Woods teeing off years ago versus now and photographs. It's just, it's it's stupid. What's your view on it? No. I've said it before. Like, I, would, do you, would you do it? That's the question. Um, of course you would. Yeah, I probably would. Yeah. Of course you would. And, yeah, not, would, and yeah. don't feel bad about that. You're there, you're, you've paid your money. You've given your time. You want to record the moment. Literally record the moment. Go for it. No, I'm distracted there for the last few minutes because Emma said there was also a woman in the crowd who wasn't filming, uh, not just Phil Knight. And I'm just, there you go. She's kind she of not filming. Where's no? she there? Oh, behind yeah, yeah, Phil. Back, yeah. I'm sure there was so many people two. in the crowd who weren't filming. Yeah, well, in that... Not many, anyway. no, certainly not many. Section. A, few, a handful. So anyway, I was just interested in their, their thoughts. Do you think Phil Knight didn't because he knew someone else would do it for him? Ah, Phil, Knight that Phil Knight just looks like he could have been sat at home watching mm. reruns of Dallas. But he's oh. in the moment, isn't he? He's in the moment, front he, row. He looks like he's asleep. Ah, he's in the moment. He's, he's awake. Unless I he think the conclusion I would agree with the most is like you can film like this and you can watch like this, and it's a twofer. Put the phone down. Now, I never do uh, watch like uh, videos back or see photos back. Exactly. Even Prague, there, got some great content, Shane, as you know. Yeah. I have about 56 <sighs> photos at home. Jesus, you were away in all this. And every time I turned on Instagram, which wouldn't be that often, all I could see was... Turn on Instagram. Yeah. 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 Like as a new... Uh, as a new... Uh, <laughs> big green button <laughs> on Instagram. Colin's got a new yeah. story. Alexa, oh, turn on Instagram. Uh, here. Oh, here's a here's a sign. Like, the ma- you know, you had signs up. I think you had signs up with Prague, or Praha, or whatever you Yeah, I, d- I looked at the Praha options. Uh, oh. gives, but it was just for the people, you know? The I people want to see it. When, when I once walked into... It was United Villarreal in the Champions League last season, I think it was, and I walked into the Stratford End, and it was one of the standing singing sections, and uh, I was taking a video before the game started, again, before the game started, right. and uh, a lad behind me, uh, probably in his 50s or 60s season ticket holder, was like, put the phone away, mate, and I was like, oh, I'm oh. just taking a video before the game, but there were actually signs before you walk into these certain turnstiles at Old Trafford, in, in the Stratford End, no phones. You're literally not allowed the phone out. Why? And yeah. people will call you out. So because it's the singing section. It's the section to get behind the... Pl- the so you can't thing. sing and have your phone out. Your, no, your proposal is the slippery slope towards that chain. I think there's, there, no, there's a hatred towards, I guess, the, the day trippers that come to Old Trafford. Me being one of them. But um, I, I understood it. I understood <laughs> There was a hatred towards you. Yeah, pretty much. But <laughs> so I, I, You were taking a video before the game and your man said, put your phone away, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and I was like, resist the temptation to use two words. I said, "Oh, it's for my mother. She's at home. She doesn't know I'm here. I'm just sending her a lovely little video." And he was like, "Ah, oh, no, no." I problem. wouldn't be needing an explain. I know, yeah, but I felt in the moment. Business, I had to explain it. But Ronaldo scored a last minute winner for United in that game. But imagine I'd been. Imagine I'd had the phone out and oh, you could take yeah, that out now and show members. us. Could have shown you all. Imagine exactly. how great that would be. Exactly. Forget about it. I'll all show right. you the TV footage from the game. <laughs> all right, anyway. To be honest. Uh, yeah. I don't care. Mm. Um, as always, we had like ten topics and we got through two of them. Yeah. We'll just leave a bit room, more room for this next time. Burns, Brian, yeah, for sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's just a packed show of content. Yeah, yeah, content. Yeah. In fastest on the wrong syllable. I love it. Everybody, uh, nothing, nobody, anything else to say? I did have loads to say, but uh, that's for the best of afterwards. The bonus material, the yeah. B side. Connor Delaney says, "Good man, Jen, bring a bit of reality to uh, the picture taking." Roy Larmer says Shane has a video on his Twitter of the last seconds of the All Ireland final during the game. Aha! Uh-huh. I don't think that's true. Accused. I don't think that's true. I doubt that's true. Your Honour, can we get some clarity on if that? If it was true, it'd be someone beside me who gave me the video, no doubt. Uh, no worry, thanks though. 9.41. Colm, Cameron. Pleasure. Something always. happened there. Thank you for coming in. <laughs> Thank Shane, you. Shane, enjoy your weekend. Pleasure as always. You too. Football tonight. Football tonight and uh, yeah, an engagement party tomorrow. My friends have started oh, to right. get, oh, get down on one knee. It it's only the second of my mates to get engaged, so... It's all, it's, all, it's all started. Yeah. By, by one suit and several ties. One Looks like a different suit every time. Very, very smart. For your wedding. There's a man up. who's been to a few weddings. <laughs>
Oh, I'm coming to the end of it now. OTVM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish. It is live. We could have edited a lot of this out, uh, unfortunately, for you, dear live oh, we'll viewer and listener. But uh, there we go. It'll all happen in post, exactly. On Monday, show the famous, uh, world-famous Gillette Labs performance rankings, all the reaction to Ireland-France, uh, Ireland beating France at the weekend, uh, the Super Bowl as well, and the weekend's hurling. Plenty more besides. You can tune into Off the Ball Edit this morning for all of your sporting needs. Have a great weekend. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.